Coming up on this special edition of the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast, it's the road to the AFLW Draft, as presented by afldraftcentral.com.au. A look at the Victorian teams and their potential draftees. This is the road to the AFLW Draft special as presented by afldraftcentral.com.au. Today we're looking at the Victorians. That's the Victorians they are going to nominate in the Victorian Draft Pool. Those from interstate that might throw their hat into the Victorian Draft Pool. And of course, where each club currently sit at at the moment and what they need as they head into the 2019 AFLW season. I'm joined by the experts from afldraftcentral.com.au in Peter Williams and Julia Montesano. First of all, Julia, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Peter. I'm obviously really excited to look at the Victorian girls. I mean, the, the talent this year is, is seriously outstanding. So I'm really excited to get into that and see um, where we can play with each of these girls because lots of teams obviously vying for some good players. And also joining us, Peter Williams. Yeah, good to be back. I'm, I'm excited about the uh, Victorian talent because obviously with the other states, it's great to say they've got these talents and then you look at uh, you look at who you've got uh, for each of the teams and it, it's a bit more intrigue all about it because there's obviously the six teams now. So you, you, you've got that intrigue of an actual draft and it, it's really exciting because for some players, they nominate for Metro and we'll talk about that after but for Metro for just Geelong or for the whole state and and they're not guaranteed unless they've nominated Geelong that they're going to end up at a certain club so that's exciting yeah this is the peculiarity of it in the in the past couple of years when it was the four teams of the Victorian draft you just nominated Victoria and any of the four teams could take you now you've got it split into three sections nominate for Geelong draft pool only which means just Geelong takes you nominate for the Vic Metro only so any of the five clubs bar Geelong or nominate the whole of Victoria yeah, it's certainly weird how they've how they've done it. I mean, it's it's quite odd that there's specifically a nomination just for Geelong, but um, yeah, it's 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 more more so like a draft for Victor- for the Victoria kind of aspect of things, which makes it really interesting to kind of place girls in different positions. It's it's super hard to see, um, you know, what numbers they're going to go at because clubs obviously have different interests and there's um different player connections to different clubs, so it's exciting to see where they could possibly go. And I think there could be plenty of smokies in terms of the um, Victorian side of things as well. So let's go through, first of all, before we talk about the actual draft picks and some of the under-18s that could picked up and some of the senior women's about who's already been signed and going where. We'll start, first of all, with the rookie signings. Uh, first of all, Carlton picked up a couple of rugby sevens players that play for their VFLW team, Chloe Dalton and Brooke Walker. Yeah, Chloe Dalton as well. I watched I watched her pretty closely during the season. I thought she was um, a fantastic player in defence, and she she looked like a natural, really. I mean, you couldn't tell that she was from a rugby a rugby background. So I think she's one that can be damaging. I think it was kind of for me it was kind of inevitable that they were going to sign those girls. Obviously, getting them for a rugby background, getting that high profile of um, girls from different sports. I think it was um, kind of inevitable that they were going to sign them. And combined with good talent, they're going to really hold the Blues in good stead, considering some of the players that they've lost as well through their listings. Chloe, uh, me, Collingwood Football Club. I say Chloe like the Chloe, Chloe Football, Football Club. Club. It is Chloe yeah. Malloy. She's a Virtually. superstar, but she won't be playing for them in 2019 due to that foot injury. Um, for the Collingwood Football Club, Shani Layton, the netballer, and the Gaelic footballer Sarah Rowe have been picked up. Two interesting stories around that, Pete, before I get your comments on that. One with Sarah Rowe is one of her housemates actually tried out for the Crosscoders program and indicated regardless of getting contract or not, she might be heading to Melbourne because, again, Sarah's a housemate. Uh, and the other one, Shani Layton, was an actually an inspiration for Nia Jones, who took part in the Crosscoders program. Nia Jones was a Welsh netballer who played at the Commonwealth Games. And she said after she saw Ash Brazil and now Shani Layton make the jump from Collingwood netball to playing in football, that she wanted to have a crack at that. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think they're both fantastic stories. Obviously, the Irish experiment, it's great to see it come over to the women's as well. We've seen how successful it is in the men's game, and now it's coming across to the women's. And almost more prevalent because you're having so many cross-coders and international stars coming in and, and playing roles and it'll be fantastic to see how they go and, and personally just watching Shani Leighton you can just see she's going to be a key defender like you just know that's going to happen. She's going to be that niggly key defender that gets in the opposition ear and, and annoys them so much And but you got to love her. She's one of those players that as a as a teammate you would love to have her on her side and as a fan as well and the other fans will probably get stuck into her because she'll have that aggressive edge and and I think she's just going to be built for it because she loves the contest and, and that physicality that she shows in netball that uh, sometimes it sort of earns her a few fouls. It'll be great to see her do it in football because she'll probably enjoy doing it and be allowed to do it. As we record this, uh, at that stage, Melbourne had only signed the one rookie. That was Shay Sloan, the volleyballer. Yeah, obviously um, sister of Rory Sloan as well. So obviously some high um, prospect on her. And I think um, in her first game for Casey in the VFLW, she was named one of the best on ground. So she made an immediate influence in their VFLW side and she did get to play a couple of games for them as well. Um, it wasn't the best season for the Demons as we know, but I think she definitely showed her colours and she showed that she can definitely um, get a few games, especially with her absence of Daisy Pierce through um, her pregnancy as well. And with and with Daisy gone, it's also um, they signed Casey, Casey Sheriff, Sheriff yeah. as well is worth mentioning. And she's one that I've really been impressed with in the VFLW. I think she's got some good skills, really makes a bad decision. She's so composed, comes out of defense, um, can play along the wing. Uh, she's just really balanced and, and she just can uh, hit targets with ease. So I'm really excited to see what she can offer. You could see that happening, a call uh, during uh, during a match of football of I tackled Sheriff, but I did not tackle Catherine Smith. <laughs> <laughs> to the tune of I got the Sheriff. Um, North Melbourne picked up Taylor Roberts, the basketballer, and the soccer player, Jesse Williams. Am I correct? A soccer player out of Tasmania. Yeah, I think yeah. she was from Tasmania. So, yeah, yeah I think North, as we've, as we've seen, they have done extremely well to get all those players on their list. I mean... If they've, you almost didn't know if Geelong was even recruiting without, you know, without hardly the players um, coming into their side. Like North have just poached every single player left, right, and centre. They have a great list of experience, which is um, super difficult to get considering um, if you're a new team. We obviously see, you know, the Giants coming into the AFL. Obviously, the first year getting pumped by 100 points every game. I don't think that's going to happen for the Kangaroos, and I think they're going to be a strong team considering all the players they've got. And Peter, the Western Bulldogs uh, signed Tessa Boyd, basketballer, sister of Tom Boyd. Yeah, that's that's quite an exciting link, and I think we've sort of seen that now because uh, obviously we're seeing it. Um, Jesse Keefe was another one, obviously, uh, with Lachlan Keefe's sister. So there, there are brothers and sisters that are able to play, and I, I, I think she's got a lot of potential. And, um, you know, we're, as we mentioned before, seeing the cross-coders, it's just going to be exciting to see how she adapts and how many games they get into their rookies. Uh, obviously, Bulldogs coming off a flag, it's a pretty hard squad to squeeze into, but there are some uh, spots available, obviously, much like any of the other teams. A couple of players are left, so, uh, you know, the pretty important one, obviously, uh, best and fairest uh, winner. So it's important to see how she slots in, but I think she'll uh, she'll go pretty well this season. So let's have a look at some of the signings that North Melbourne and Geelong have got. So this is the unusual period where they've signed, obviously, a bunch of players each that we have to go through and try and dissect before we break down what's going on with the other clubs. North Melbourne, of course, will be known officially as the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos. They'll have players based in Melbourne, players based in Hobart, similar to what Adelaide did with Darwin and the NT Crows partnership. We start, first of all, uh, if we go right back to the end of the AFLW season 2018, literally a day or two afterwards, 
And they've just swooped in. Oh, by the way, the league best and first of the Western Bulldogs, we've just signed her, Emma Carney. <laughs> oh, no, it was, it was certainly something that it was amazing that they were able to do. Obviously, that Melbourne Uni connection has been absolutely massive for North Melbourne. They've got heaps of players um, from that contingent coming into their side. And just the way they were able to grab so many experienced players initially was sensational. I think I heard a couple of rumours that Emma Carney was going to go um, just from my local circles. I heard that she was going to go, but... To pick up some other players as well, you know, you just got random ones from Brisbane coming in as well. You know, who would have thought? There's plenty right. of players that they can go with. I heard that they were trying to get both Carney and Blackburn, but the word on the street was the AFL stepped in and said, you can have yeah. one, but you can't have both. Yeah. That would that would if they had both. I mean, surely surely people would have been scratching their heads thinking, how is this possible? Because now, there's two great players. And we do state that's because of the Melbourne Uni connection. They yeah. both came out of Melbourne yep. Uni North type of Melbourne Uni. They rated Collingwood for four players. They took. Jazz Garner, Jess Duffin, Mo Hope, Emma King, ouch. Yeah, that's pretty much your, most of your top best and fairest it's gone. Fine, is it? yeah. It's fine, isn't it? Really? Yeah, the <laughs> defence, uh, well, the forward line has been completely smashed, obviously, with Duffin, Garner and Hope. They're probably three of your most damaging forwards and they're gone. So I think that's where it came about. That's all right. We still got Chloe who can play forward and, and now she's gone. So yeah. um, Collingwood's big question mark will be where they kick the goals. But, I mean, for Collingwood, that was, yeah, that was pretty guttering I think really um you know losing losing those key players and and for north it's a really good um core because you've got players who are used to each other's strengths that are coming across so it, it good on them that um now they've got pretty much their uh I guess structure or their uh setup really uh strengthened by those tools that uh can kick goals and and obviously Emma in the ruck as well they took from the Carlton Football Club Danielle Hardman and Kate Gillespie Jones which essentially is going to give them two defenders because Kate Gillespie Jones had been playing in defence yep. for Melbourne Uni for the VFLW season this year. It could be the rebirth of Kate Gillespie-Jones. She just had a feeling at Carlton they didn't know quite what to do with her. Throw her forward, throw her ruck, throw her back. They, she didn't seem to be settled. And with Scott Gowans through Melbourne Uni in the VFLW, her role across halfback seems to be, okay, she's now found a home and she now excels in that position. Yeah, it'll be a massive loss for Carlton. I mean, she is an incredible athlete. I mean, she's she's got a, a, a crazy good build and she's one that can, she's really strong at the contest. They can kick the ball a long way as well, which is really handy, obviously, in the AFLW. And I think she made the VFLW team of the year as well. So she had a fantastic year for Melbourne. And I don't see why she can't have that impact in North Melbourne. And I think once they see, once Carlton see what she does at the Kangaroos, then they're probably going to be thinking, oh, no, we've missed, we missed one here. We should have kept her. As well as uh, Emma Carney, North Melbourne got from the Western Bulldogs, a youngster in Daria Bannister, and picked up Jenna Bruton as well. Yeah, they're, they're two big uh, key ins as well. And they've sort of flown under the radar because of obviously uh, picking up Kearney. But, you know, Jenna Bruton's been fantastic for Williamstown. And, you know, she's just so hard at it. She really adds that extra bit of, I guess, midfield uh, prowess in there with uh, Kearney and, and quite a few of the others they've picked up. And, and Bannister, obviously, she did her so she's um, she's a Tasmanian um, coming up, and and that I guess uh, they wanted some Tasmanians in their side, so um, that has that close link there. So it'd be great to see how she uh, recovers and, and how she performs to North. Interesting situation for Jenna Bruden there. I think they call her Jenna Bulldog, so it might be <laughs> might have to change her nickname once she gets over to the Kangaroos. 
Uh, also, they picked up, as uh, we mentioned in our uh, non-Victorians episode, a number of Brisbane Lions players. They picked up Kaylin Ashmore, which was expected, being a Melbourne yep. Uni player, coming back home. They picked up uh, Brittany Gibson, who will be based out of Tasmania. And they picked up the other Brisbane players, and Talia Randall and Jamie Stanton. Uh, f- for my money, Talia Randall will be the interesting one to see what they do with her because they've got Emma King, and Emma King will be the number one ruck, even though for some reason some sides throw her forward, and I still don't know why. Yeah. Emma King is the number one ruck. It'll be interesting to see where they play Randall. Yeah, I know. It might just um, – obviously, I think King didn't play as much VFLW this year, so she, maybe she could – you know, sit out a couple of AFLW games and make way for Randall. But I think um, playing two tools in a team is definitely something that could work in the AFLW. Um, I think Randall had a really had too much of a promising season to be to miss out um, on a couple of games in the AFLW. I think she should be playing heaps of games for the Kangaroos. And Emma King obviously was outstanding too. So I think they're going to have to rotate them through the ruck and see they're going to have the trainer to be either key defenders or key forwards as well because. There's clearly it's it's hard, it's kind of hard to when they're not in the ruck where you're going to put them so you kind of have to train them both up because having both on the side will be a serious um, damaging threat to the rest of the teams. I, I think Randall's probably the more flexible one. Like yeah. I think she can probably play in a different position where King she's such a fantastic ruck, but I can't really see her playing as a key defender or or as influential as a key forward. So she's definitely that I think number one ruck and, and Randall will obviously give her a chop out when she needs a break but I think Randall will be the one that they try and turn into potentially a, a key position player Also they managed to pick up through the trade period uh, Emma Humphreys and Jasmine Grierson from uh, Melbourne so they're two good pickups, uh, two youngsters one will be based in Melbourne, one will be based in Tasmania Yeah Grierson obviously the Tasmanian one and I think uh, Humphreys the Tasmanian oh, sorry, Humphreys the Tasmanian one and um, you know um, plenty of talent coming in um, in the North Melbourne side, it's just amazing how they got those two as well. I mean, Greeson look, look. I think Greeson had a strong connection at Melbourne as well. She had a lot of good friends um, at the club too. I think she's really close with obviously the likes of of Mel Hickey and stuff too. So um, there was obviously obviously Melbourne's going to be a whole new look, um, a different looking team this year. But for them to pick up those two, especially in the in the rookies um, part of the draft as well, I mean, it's it's a great pickup. Looking at some Tasmanians, they also sign uh, Georgia. I get that right, Georgia Nanskarwin, Alicia King, and Madison Smith, who won the Tasmanian State League Women's Best and Fairest. Yeah, Madison Smith. I mean, me and Pete were watching her closely. Obviously, reporting on um, the Tassie State Women's um, Footy League. I mean, she was one that um, she has. She has a huge influence. I think she um, did well in the grand final as well, playing for Clarence. I think she got him back into the game with with two quick goals as well. So she's one that can certainly turn the game on its head. And and um, it's good that they've given. Um, a lot of Tasmanian players a chance as well. I mean, obviously North Melbourne predominantly, you know, a lot of they obviously want to be picking up a lot of Victorian talent, but it's good that they've um, segmented a lot of their list to Tasmanians as well because I think they're doing something that the AFL has missed out on. Obviously, not having a Tasmanian team, so it's a really good niche initiative by North Melbourne to really have that Tasmanian alliance and build it up really well because there are some good Tassie under eighteen talented um, players coming through too. They picked up a, a couple of experienced Victorians as well through the signing period. Uh, they played last year at Diamond Creek in a grand final and then played with Melbourne Uni this year. The Melbourne Uni captain, Ash Riddell, and the uh, forward in Sophie Apatangelo. I think they were two of the... Like last year, I thought they were probably the two of the most unluckiest. Yeah, they were, get on the list. they were stiff. Yeah, I really... Like, I watched Diamond Creek quite a bit last year and I thought they were terrific. Um, they were two of the real standouts. And, and again, this year, like, look at them for Melbourne Uni. Um, Apatangelo... Like, it's not just what she does. It's what she does off the ball. She sets up her teammates. She leads so well in that forward line. And and for Riddell through the midfield, she just... 
she cracks in all the time. Like, she just does not take a backward step. She gets back up, gets crunched, keeps going. Like, she's just such a good leader in the midfield. And I think not only you've got those AFL, uh, AFLW stars that come in, but they're two of the real experienced VFLW players who, um, you know, have leadership potential and can, you know, lead some of the younger guys, girls as well and just sort of bring them through and, and really lead them uh on the way so it's fantastic to see those girls get opportunities because they missed out last year but they've been picked up this year looking at the geelong football club as we mentioned at the top of the program not only have they've got their signings they've got that exclusive geelong pool if a player elects to say i will nominate for geelong only um first of all they've picked up a famous name in melissa hickey of course yep. uh if i'm correct granddaughter of red chicky yeah, I, I think, think yeah. the family tree along. They've picked up uh, Rochelle Cranston, former North Geelong player. Anna Teague, who was a Geelong Supercats basketballer, but yep. of course played VFLW for them. And they also picked out of the Melbourne Football Club, they managed to pick up Erin Hoare, who um, I'd say was probably the number two ruck at Melbourne behind Lauren Pierce. Yeah, Erin Hoare will definitely get her opportunity to shine at Geelong. I mean, obviously missed out on the last couple of games in the VFLW, but I think she'll be ready to go for the AFLW season. And just see how, how well Geelong did in the VFLW, obviously getting to that grand final and really convincingly too, having some two good um, finals wins is, is really promising for their AFLW future. And they have picked up some great players. I mean, Mel, Mel Hickey's a huge one. I mean, she's an absolute on-field leader and obviously coming back from that knee injury that um, from last year, she'll be ready to go as well as... Rochelle Cranston too. She looked a bit groggy in that VFLW grand final. I hope it's not anything serious, but um, if she is healthy and fit, she is clearly one of the most damaging players. I think every time she played, probably 20-plus disposals for the VFLW side. So she's one of those players that can really turn a game when it's head. Continuing our look through the Geelong team, they picked two players from GWS, Phoebe McWilliams and Maddie Boyd, both strong overhead marks, both key forwards. Yeah, we saw in the grand final the other day, obviously, Phoebe McWilliams. She she didn't hit the scoreboard as much as you would like, missed a couple of chances, but she just has that presence in the forward line. She she leads out, takes a strong contested mark. If she doesn't take it, she brings it to ground, lets the players around her, you know, pick it up and, and have opportunities. So I think she's like a key forward so important in a team, and I think she's one of the better ones that can just stand there and you know she's going to lead, she's going to provide that presence, and she's just a fantastic leader, and, yeah, she's a real strength in that forward line. I think Maddie Boyd as well is one that we've got to mm. talk about too. I mean, I think she had, I think, about seven contestant marks in that um, prelim final win against the Pies, so she's absolutely huge overhead, and she can get up forward and kick some goals as well. It's a big loss for the Giants, but a huge game for Geelong because she has been playing some great footy, um, in their VFLW side. I think her and McWilliams will um, work well together. There was obviously a strange um, situation with McWilliams playing um, against her um, future AFLW side, obviously in Hawthorne Colours, but I think once she gets there, she'll have a huge influence. And from what Patty Hill said about her, she's one of the great um, great leaders of the club. She can really um, take the youngsters under her wing and um, a lot of people look up to her as well. And Patty Hill also said that she wouldn't have cared that she didn't get much goals that day. She was just happy to help the team out. And she did help out really well because those marks um, at the top of the 50 and long bombs inside 50 were crucial on that day. And as to O'Connor from the Western Bulldogs making the transfer to Geelong, possibly a better opportunity for her because... Dare I say, Astor's probably a little bit lost. She has been since she had that knee injury and was trying to come back from that. And she was probably, at least when you looked at the Rucks, the number three at the Western Bulldogs behind your Tiana Ernst and your Lauren Sparks. Yeah, I mean, it's it, you, you're a bit surprised about Astor. I mean, she's been, you know, a really experienced player 
in the women's football circles. And you obviously saw her in those exhibition matches, you know, back when Mel- it was early Melbourne and, and the Bulldogs. I mean, she was one of the dominant players that we thought, this girl is nuts. I mean, she's a crazy good ruck. And um, you're right, she has looked a bit lost just in that um, that new look Bulldogs outfit, I'd say. You know, a lot of younger players coming through and a lot of versatile players in that lineup as well. So I think she's kind of struggled to kind of have that, you know, yes, I'm a ruck, but can I be a forward or a back as well? So I think in, um, in Geelong, Carlos should get that opportunity along with Erin Hoare to kind of rotate. I just do want to quickly mention one woman that they didn't manage to sign because there was a lot of talk if they were going to get her or not. That was Lily Mithin, who ended up staying at Melbourne. Yeah, it was interesting to mm. to see her stay. I mean, I, th- I thought by all means she was going to go down to Geelong, obviously, um, you know, with that connection down there and, you know, a lot of Mel, um, you know, Mel Hickey going down there as well. So... It's interesting that she didn't go, and it, I'd be interested to see what she can do at Melbourne this year. If there's something, if maybe there's a different role set up for her. If there's, um, if she's more excited about, you know, fulfilling the shoes of, I think it'd be interesting, it'd be interesting to see what she does, does at Melbourne because obviously, Daisy Pierce out. Does her role um, get stronger at Melbourne? Does she kind of, um, you know, transform her role this year? But. It's it's kind of a miss for Geelong not getting her. It was a, it was a bit of a awkward one, wasn't it? Because Geelong obviously she played for the VFL club, and and then she you know there was that confusion about will she play for Geelong or Melbourne next year, and she wasn't sure where to go for the VFLW. So she she ended up at Darabin, and yeah. that was a bit of a surprise, I, I guess, in many sense. It's almost like Darabin's a bit of the Switzerland. If you're not sure where to go, I'm just going to go to <laughs> Darabin, so I don't have, don't yeah. have any alignment. Williamstown was a bit like mm. that for a while with Garner yeah. and Duff, and they'll yeah. just go. I'll, I'll just go down by the beach yeah. for a while and uh, wait till they sort this mess out. Uh, they did manage to sign a number of their VFLW listed talent. They were allowed to pre-sign those. That includes Jordan Ivey and Kate Darby, both former Carlton listed players 2017 and were delisted. Uh, they signed Cassandra Blakeway, Danielle Orr, Renee Garing and their VFLW captain in Beck Goring. Yeah, they certainly that's that's a really strong experience lineup for Geelong as well. I mean, they're not as highly publicised as the North Melbourne players who've already had a lot of AFLW experience. But as we, as we just said, Kate Darby and Jordan Ivy have had an experience on the list, just haven't got much, much game time. And Jordan Ivy's a great story, isn't she? I mean, coming back from an ACL and having a really good back end of the of the season this year in the VFLW too. So. Um, you know, really good stories out of Geelong and um, Kate Darby is one I thought that definitely deserves a second chance because she's one that really works hard, has transformed herself by playing a lot, in, a lot um, more so in the ruck for this for Geelong rather than the forward line. So she's transformed her game and I think she'll be able to um, take that over to the AFLW lineup as well. Let's talk about the under-18 talent and who could end up where. As we said, we've got that complication of do you nominate for Victoria Wide or just Geelong or just Vic Metro. Geelong have the first two picks in the draft, one and two. Carlton will then come in with pick three. Then the fourth in the Victorian pool, but fifth overall, Collingwood, then followed by Melbourne, the Western Bulldogs. Geelong will then have another pick, and then Melbourne get a pick that was traded for North Melbourne to round out round one. Then there's Collingwood and another couple of compensation picks from Geelong and so forth from there. So all eyes, obviously, on the Cats and who they're going to take. Let's talk about one name that um, I thought might have been number two after seeing her in the grand final. 20 disposals seems to have rocketed to number one, Nina Morrison. Yeah, Safe as houses for that pick one, I think, right now. She's uh, nominated for Geelong, so that's that's a big benefit after, uh, obviously, Maddie Pesparkas went for the Metro team. So, um, you know, she's she's that eye-catching, quick uh, runner who um, – she's got the outside, uh, I guess, talent, but she's also hard as nails. She tackles. She's run down people. She kicks goals. She can pretty much play anywhere, but she's suited on that wing and just 
dashes away and good luck catching her. So she's going to be a real star. And, um, you know, Geelong and, and obviously Paul Hood already sort of got to know her playing uh, playing there for Geelong. So it's just fantastic to um, see them develop from the Falcons to go up to Geelong. And, and she's going to be that sort of standout player. Yeah, I mean, I saw her um, in her first game. I remember Tuck Up Girls round one. Geelong um, versus I think it was um, probably I think it was Sandra came I think you know the play there was players talked about we heard from Katie Geary and me and Pete had a chat to her and she said you know it'd be crazy if Nina if Nina doesn't get drafted and I was thinking I've got to, I've got to see this girl I've got to see if Katie's right and by all means she was right I mean she impressed me so much I thought Purcell was probably the one that was going to catch my eye first but I was drawn to Nina straight away I mean that outside run and that fierce tackling was amazing down at um, Deakin Uni as well and she's um, back to, she's she's improved every game this year really and we've seen it um, with the amount of awards she's got this year too I mean her and Maddie have obviously got both um, major awards for the year together in the AFLW under 18 M- series MVP and the Tack Up Girls Best and Fairest and um, yeah Nina I think obviously that having that Geelong relationship definitely puts Nina in good stead to, to be um, taken at number one she's an absolute star she had to do what Dustin Fletcher did 25 years ago. In one moment, she had to choose between club or school sport, yeah. and she chose school sport when Geelong were playing in a VFLW preliminary final. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard because it, it, we don't know if it was actually her choice or if it was the school's choice because I know we know me and Pete know a lot of a lot of the schools kind of enforce um, yeah. the kids to kind of you know choose school sport over playing football just because of that I don't know the grammar school connection kind of thing. But um, Nina, I think from memory, Nina plays a lot of um, sports at school as well. So I think soccer and tennis as well. She plays at school, so um, there's probably opportunities for her to play in the in the um, in the grammar school contingent. But yeah, we don't know if it was exactly her choice or if it was a school choice. But it was certainly a, um, a shame that she had to miss out. But a handy inclusion in the grand final, obviously. I think she was probably the best on ground for Geelong in that loss. Now, speaking to Simone Belair's uh, on air in round 15 when we covered the Geelong v Casey game, they highlighted that they did seriously want to pick up Geelong talent. They were talking about Falcons in their backyard and coming through quite a number of good players, which we'll touch on in a moment. But it comes to a bit of ducks and drakes, doesn't it, with pick number two. They're in a position where they go, okay, do we take the next best talent, which we'll mention in a moment's time, which is Geelong Falcons player, or do they go, okay, in this position, do we think that the equivalent might be a, a a Victorian player that's nominated for the whole Victorian draft pool because you've got Carlton immediately after. So they've got to think, do we take that player now to block Carlton? Well, the interesting, and this is a player to keep in mind, Sophie Vanderhoevel is one to keep in mind. You've seen like she played up at the Rebels, uh, played for Vic Country. She doesn't win as much of the ball as some of the others, but she's very classy, great mover, knows how to kick goals, really smart. Um, I know Geelong are very, very keen on her, um, and so are Melbourne, and Melbourne have the pick before Geelong. So there is that little bit of a – we're quite interested to see what happens because uh, as far as I'm aware, Sophie has actually applied for all Victoria, um, So unless that's changed. But as far as I'm aware, she's applied for all of Victoria. Um, and both Melbourne and, and Geelong are very keen on her. And Geelong, I know the one you're mentioning, Olivia Purcell, is the other one they'd consider. Um I think they are hoping to get her at their next pick um, because, you know, just try and get that one that could go to all of them. Uh, obviously, Press Parkus and also Tyler Hanks is 
uh, not opting for the metro because they, you know, uni and, and studies work uh, around the metro area. So for them, it's about finding that balance between do we go all hometown or do we try and pick up a player that another club might want that can fill a void. And and Vanderhoevel's the one for me that also stands out that you could go, yep, she's from those the the western side of the state, the Rebels, and. Obviously, she played down at Williamstown, so she's used to that area, and and she's the type came from cricket, so I think she's one that they'll definitely consider at that pick. Purcell's in that interesting position, isn't she? Because if she nominates Geelong, that's it. She's got a Geelong contract. No, no questions about yeah. it. Yeah, and she has done that. So and she has yep. because if you're one of those players, if you wanted to play the side of how much more money can I mm. get or off-field roles can I get? If you floated the idea of I'll nominate for the whole Vic area instead, then you could have the Carltons, the Collingwoods, the Melbournes, the other clubs scrambling for you mm. to throw offers going, okay, if Geelong don't move to grab you, we will grab you and you will get X, Y, Z. Yeah, and that, and that's the that's the trick at the moment because there's there's only the three Falcons that have uh, nominated for Geelong only, which is Morrison, uh, Purcell, uh, and Denby, Denby Taylor, Taylor is the third one. They've all nominated for Geelong only. Um, and the other two that have nominated for Geelong only that's worth mentioning uh, is uh, down Georgia Clark from the Rebels because she's doing uni in Geelong next year, so that makes sense, uh, and Rebecca Webster as well, which I think she's got a similar deal where she's doing sort of university studies down in Geelong. So that's where that comes in an advantage for some players because a lot of kids will do uni in Melbourne, but if you're doing it in Geelong, then it makes sense to go down to Geelong. If we have a look at Carlton, who they might pick up, they've got a headache. They've got, yeah. as we said, Vander Hubel, if she's available then, do, do they try and sweep and take her? You've got Tyler Hanks, and then you've got Madison Press-Parkers. Madison could have been a possibility of going one or two, but when she made the call to say, no, I'm going to nominate Vic Metro only, that changed things. Yeah, and I think it's it's definitely hard for Carlton. I mean, it's I think it'd probably be out of... Probably had uh, had a Hanks or Presparkus. I mean, Hanks obviously playing at Carlton's VFLW side. They've seen what she does. They've seen what type of player she is. And when she came in for her first game, I think she was the leading disposal getter on the ground with 20 or so, I think. So they know what Tyler could do. They've obviously seen enough of Maddie. I mean, everyone has. Maddie's a star. But it's just a matter of, of same thing with Carlton. If they want to take the talent that they've seen themselves in the flesh or if they want to go for that high-profile player, um, of Maddie's of Maddie's caliber, but we know Maddie's going to get picked up by a club either way. So it's just a matter of if Carlton want to grab her first, or if they're happy to just stay with Tyler, because those two are being compared to each other a lot over their under eighteen career. And it's, um, I wouldn't say much of a much as if you get both, but if you get um, one or the other. But I think there's definitely a, a, a tendency to kind of lead to the one you've seen in person. So it could be um, interesting to see where Presparkus goes because she was rated at number one even as a 16-year-old. You know, people, people said she could have gone number one back when she was 16. So um, it would be interesting to see what happens with her considering she's nominated for Metro. But, yeah, thanks to that Carlton connection, it's really hard to look past them getting her. And that makes an interesting scenario for Collingwood when they yeah. come along because if, Hank, if Carlton decide to stay with their own homegrown and go with Hanks, then you've got the Collingwood Football Club and they've got two to look at. Then all of a sudden if Presparkus has slipped, they go, okay, does Presparkus play the Chloe Malloy role considering Chloe Malloy will be out for the year injured? Or like we said, they've got a big hole in their forward line. They've got Daisy Bakeman who's mm. played the season yep. for them in the VFLW. Being at best, I'd probably say a forward pocket. So, again, do you go your homegrown or do you have to go 
right, we need the, I wouldn't say Chloe Malloy clone, but we need someone who is almost of that calibre to fill that hole that's there. I, th- I think they do go best available. Like, Maddie shouldn't be there at pick four in a, in a realistic draft. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. she shouldn't be there. We so, have a compromised situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think they would have absolutely no trouble reading out her name because, obviously, in the, uh, the, the, the draft-wise, if we just look at Victorian, there's only three more picks between um, their pick and their next. They've got two in a row there. And I, I'm pretty confident Daisy Bateman will be available there. Um, yeah. and, and they'll know that on draft night, whether whether she is, because Geelong will have to take Purcell if they haven't already taken her in that um, earlier draft, a uh, couple of picks. So that's already one of the picks gone. And then there's two other picks that are sitting around there, obviously Western Bulldogs and Melbourne. Um, and I, I think Melbourne might sort of go for a homegrown kind of talent. Maybe they go for a Jordan Allen who's been playing at Casey or something like that. And um, maybe someone like a Michaela Can who starred in the um, grand final as well is another one who I think could be in that sort of region. Um, but there's so many names to sort of pick out of. But Collingwood have those two picks that are coming up um, that could be a couple of their own talents like a Bateman or a Katie Lynch or someone like that. So if Chris Parkers is on the board at four uh, for the Victorian draft anyway, um, I would be very, very surprised if they didn't pick up. Uh, Maddie. Yeah. I just want to make a quick note of the others that I think were the bottom ages that were in the under-18 All-Australian team that are Victorians that uh, obviously those that follow Richmond and St Kilda will obviously be very interested in when they come to the competition in 2020. Of course, we had Lucinda Cripps who was named at fullback from Big yeah. Country. Uh, also on the list is Georgia Patrikos. Have I got that right? Yeah, Patrikos, yeah. Yeah, yeah Patrikos on the uh, wing position. Um, looking through there, you've got Gabby Newton who was named at centre-half forward. Uh, Lucy McAvoy who was named as a follower and uh, that and Eleanor Brown who of course has been playing at the Southern Saints as well who uh, was named on the bench she's actually yeah, a top, top ager, ager. So that, yeah, that was a mistake well. I was yeah, wondering yeah. if you yeah so she's actually a top ager been playing at the Southern Saints but the other one she, she, yeah. she's been she's been an okay footballer and, and, and should get picked up in this yeah. draft I'm not sure if a first rounder but certainly second rounder yeah definitely yep I've got I've got her in the mix so she's certainly one that she just finds the footy Eleanor yeah Brown. that's it yeah. she's a ball magnet she, I mean she's one of those players that can play everywhere too main main damage is done in the midfield for her but we saw her in the AFLW champs playing um, a, a sort of half back role and getting a back role and getting a lot of disposals back there. So, isn't that a frightening thought that you've got? You know, let's say you've got your you've got your Morrison and the Vanderhoeven going in the one two. Yeah. Carlton then take Hanks. You've got um, Collingwood then swoop in and say, "Thank you very much. We're going to take uh, Madison Press Barkas." Then, as you said, Eleanor Brown, a midfielder that gets the ball. The next two teams are Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs, who arguably have the strongest midfields in the competition, yeah, and you're just going to add to that. Yeah, I mean, it looks like Pete said, it looks increasingly likely that Melbourne could take Jordan Allen just because mm. of that Casey connection um, in the VFLW as well. And I think, like we said, Allen's one that can rotate between defence and midfield too, so she can have that influence possibly. Um, you know, like we keep saying, without the Daisy Pierce in the middle, she could be one of those players that really solidifies that midfield role as opposed to that. Um, the fullback or halfback role that she plays too. So um, there's plenty of it's, – it's going to be hard because there's so many players that are worth a top 10 spot. It's just a matter of how you're going to fit mm. them in because there's so much talent in the Victorian contingency this year. Absolutely. And then, again, we might have the weird situation that when we get to pick 11, Purcell goes there. Yeah. Not because of her quality because she could be easily be pick mm. one, but just the strategy of how that works yeah. out. It's the same thing with Maddie. I mean, we, we were saying, you know, her, her or Nina, what number one or yeah, it's her. It's either her or Nina. We've been saying it for ages, and to think that she could slip to to pick four, like we've been saying, is just remarkable. You never would have thought that for her. I mean, she's an absolute star. So it's certainly going to be interesting to see, um, 
you know, what happens, what what teams will go with in the draft. And Carl, like we said before, Carlton have got a real headache on yeah. their hands. Because I know that Daniel Harford, obviously, coach, really likes Maddie. Um, but obviously, the, the whole club has been around Tyler and supporting her and, and having her play in the VFLW side. So, for them, it must be almost like you've got to chew off one arm. Like, it's it's good because you know you're going to get a star regardless. But it's like you don't want to, like, give up on one. You sort of want both. So, I bet they wish they sort of had picks one and two and could take them both and then yeah, easy. But so personnel goes 11, you go to pick 12 and you've got the Melbourne Football Club who are sitting there, could have seen a traded pick from North Melbourne. You're thinking, okay, they've lost to Grierson. Uh, they, they probably need someone who can slot in around the half-back area for them. All of a sudden sitting there is Hawthorne's Jade Van Dyke, the mm. Debbie Lee medalist in the VFLW. That's a heck of a pick up at 12. Yeah, I mean, she'd be a massive, massive inclusion for them. I mean, Jade Van Dyke was an absolute star for Hawthorne this year. I mean, because won the Rising Star Award, obviously, like we like we just mentioned, and um, she was able to lock down players. I mean, even in, in the grand final on Saturday, um, Sunday, sorry, she saved she saved a couple of goals from Geelong as well, which was which is crucial to be able to do at such a young age to be able to stand up and prevent those um those older players from um getting their letting their experience get over the top. So I think. Like, like we said, the teams are under 18 talent, but at the same time, we've got to fit some of them. We've got to fit the um, the top age talent as well into the draft as well. And I think Van Dyke's one that probably could be one of the leading candidates to go um, as a top age player into an AFLW list. Katuni, I'll look through to some of the uh, other listed players. Uh, obviously, Collingwood comes in at 13. That's maybe where Bateman could go if they go the Press Parker yeah. route. Or even um, Hannah McLaren as well. Mm. I mean, they do like they do like the looks of McLaren. Obviously, the Oakley captain. Obviously, the, the Oakley connection at Collingwood is a big factor for them. So, McLaren's one they could um, definitely pick up. And she's a she's a defender as well. And they've obviously need um, some good defenders at the Pies as well. So. Um, you know, it's they probably want they'd love to get Lynch, Bateman, and McLaren because they're probably the three leading Oakley candidates. But it's just a matter of if other clubs pick them up because I think, especially for Bateman and Lynch, there's more X Factor type players. They're going to be hot on other clubs' radars, radars as well. Yeah, I think I've got them at, at their second and third picks in those uh, top ten because I don't think I think they can afford to leave them for that first pick, like the uh, Maddie Tyler yeah. pick. But then they've got to take them in the next two picks, I think. And it may be tough. They might have to pick between the three of them. And do they go Lynch, Bateman, which probably have that bit more, I guess, uh, maybe interest from other clubs, or, or do you go McLaren because you need that defender? But I definitely think they need that forward line restructure after their forward line was completely destroyed. So um, I, I think that definitely Daisy Bateman is one they just have to take. She's come through. Yeah. She's, you know, such a known goal kicker and, and whatnot. And another one I'd throw out that if they wanted to go outside their level is Courtney Jones, who mm. may well be considered by Melbourne because obviously she's come through that same program. Um, but she'd be one that I reckon they would have to consider as well if they want to really double up on their forwards. So she's, she offers a similar kind of thing. And she can play off half-back as well. So she's got that versatility. Geelong then have picks 14 and 15, which you expect another couple of youngsters and the Falcons to go into those picks. Carlton then comes along. And I should mention earlier when I forgot the name, I forgot to mention Mia Ray Clifford, who mm. was signed. Yep. It was a great yep. pick-up because if she was in the draft, bang, for the season that she's had, people Definitely were going to be jumping on her. as well. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, Pick number 16 uh, in the second round for Carlton, it's a question of whether now they start to look at the youngsters or they start to look at those on their lists. Um, you've got to think of where does Abby McKay get yeah. eventually picked. She is, will be picked as a father-daughter. It's a question of if another club comes along and tries to claim her, which means they've got to take her with the next pick. So if anyone will play Ducks and Drakes there and try and force, force Carlton to pick early on that. 
you've got a few uh, players uh, along there, like Christy Harvey, for example, has moved over from South mm. Australia, being solid, particularly across the half-back role, even though they've tried her a few times forward. Yeah. She's a player that's floating around where you go, maybe pick two might be a bit early, round two might be a bit early for Carlton, but at some stage they're going to have to make a move on her before someone else swoops. Yeah, I think uh, I was really impressed by Christy Harvey this year. I mean, she was a great leader for the Blues in the VFLW. And like you said, she can she can swing um, forward or back. So that would be crucial for the AFLW lineup as well. Obviously not having the best season in 2018. They'll need someone like her of her caliber to kind of stand up for them and, um, um, you know, kind of get the Blues up and going. But in terms of young talent as well, like you said, it's do they look to their normal list or do they look to um, elsewhere? There's... For their, for their um, VFLW list, they had the likes of Ren Karras from the Rebels playing for them and Maddie Brand-Catasano, the captain of the Northern Knights, playing for Carlton as well. So do they take um, either of those two possibly um, over a top-age player? We don't know, but you know we know how talented Brand-Catasano is. She's another one that's a, that's a captain. She's, she's, a, she's a renowned leader for her club and Ren Karras in the ruck. I mean, she doesn't get talked about much, which I'm surprised about because I really like the way she plays her game, you know, she's a pretty versatile ruck and she can, she really knows where to tap the ball as well. I mean, that's something I, I kind of notice with rucks as well is if, where they position the ball. She does it, she's one of the best at doing it. So it's probably, it's a really difficult draft for Carlton overall, not just for that first pick of obviously at number three, but the bottom picks as well. Do you, do you take your top eight or do you take your young um, talent from I, there as well? I think that uh, Ren Karras is one that uh, Collingwood will consider for that Emma King replacement yeah. um, because obviously they've got Eliza Hines there and, and they've had some makeshift ones that they can try and, and slot in. But for me, Collingwood really need to get a ruck out of this draft, whether they go mature age or, or, or whether they go for the top age 18-year-olds. Um, yeah, Ren Karras is one that I think Collingwood would have to consider. Do you think Sarah yeah. Kendall could possibly be in contention? I mean, I know she's not, you know, she could play, she could play ruck and... And you know, um, hop up and down the ground as well. Is she one that she's one. She's probably one that could fit the mould as well, considering how impressive she can be when she's on. When she's on. Yeah, she's probably one I've got in that sort of later end of the draft. She's still got a a bit to improve on, which is good. She's uh probably a bit more versatile. Probably not um as good in terms of like height and being able to tap it down. But she's very good at ruck and very good back or forward. Yeah. So she can play anywhere. Where Karis is sort of more that um tap ruck, but she can uh, drift back or forward. So if you need that number one ruck, I think that's more Karis, and and that's sort of like the whole. Um, Emma King and, and Randall sort of mm. argument where you sort of like Karis is sort of like the Emma King where um, Kendall is more like the Randall and, and you're sort of working out where you can sort of slot them in but she's definitely one to consider. Yeah. Considering uh, Collingwood are going with a youth policy otherwise you throw up the name there such as Rhiannon Watt from the Southern Saints. Yeah I mean she had a stellar season for the Southern Saints as well team of the year as well too and um, the starting ruck for the team of the year too so um, you know she's definitely one that would be on Collingwood's radar but obviously could she um, possibly go to go to Melbourne as well? That kind of um, that um, that place there that she might be able to go to just to kind of help out Lauren Pierce as well. So I don't know. It's hard to tell where players are going to go, but I think there's definitely going to be some top talent in the draft. That's for sure. This is the road to the AFLW Draft Special presented by afldraftcentral.com.au. Peter Williams and Julia Matasano here with us from afldraftcentral.com.au. I'm your host, Peter Holden. And just before we get back into things again, just a quick word on afldraftcentral.com.au. Yeah, well, we've got all the updates uh, for TAC Cup Girls, VFLW and AFLW from earlier in the year, and we've expanded into the other states as well. So we're looking to build on uh, and continue that next season. But for what you can get now, you can get all the features on the uh, both Victorian Interstate Girls uh, on the uh, page as well as all the results if you want to look back, see how they performed and everything like that. So, yeah, we'll have all the uh, coverage if you want to get to know some of the girls that are coming through the uh, competitions. 
Just having a look at the draft order for the moment and from the under-18 talent that you've seen and take that into consideration, for those senior women that are hoping to get their first or second chance at AFLW level, at what round do you think realistically their names will begin to get called out? Well, I think for me it could be it could be as high as second for some, but probably third. I reckon third rounds will be around about the mark for those top-age players to come in because because of that high level of under-18 talent that we've seen this year. So we're probably looking around, say, pick 26 when the Bulldogs come in with their first compensation pick. And it's funny you say that because when I sort of look at the names and who I've put in, I get to about that that Bulldogs pick and I go, now I'm not sure where they're going to go with this. Because I've got about 16 names that I think are going to be in that top bracket for the youngsters. So whether they go there or whether they're split up a bit more, but that's where I start to go, hmm, now who are they going to pick? It could be a mature ager. So I think that's where it sort of breaks off a bit and it gets interesting. That's at the point of time when the uh, draft coverage starts. We uh, suggest to those mature age players, make a cup of coffee, sit down for a while, have a Tim Tam. <laughs> It'll be an hour or so before it, before you can really start to sweat. Of, yeah. Okay, of, you know, when is the name going to start called out? All the youngsters will naturally be going first. Uh, let's just talk about just quickly some trades just before we look at uh, who's available just to cover a few things off for the established Victorian clubs that we haven't talked about yet. Um, uh, Collingwood picked up uh, Nicole Hildebrand from Brisbane. Uh, handy player, mainly known as a defender, but yep. actually debuted playing in the forward line for Collingwood mm. against the NT Thunder. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's interesting that they made that they put her forward. I mean, it's a good move by Paddy Cooler Reid to kind of test her up there because I think she was um, she was a handy player for them throughout the VFLW season. Just that that's that level headed experience was um, was really needed from her, and I think she she did well to swing back and forward. And now she's had that reputation of herself to now play in both positions and have an impact. I mean, in Brisbane, she was solely a defender and. Good at that as well. So it'd be scary to see what she can do up forward too this season. Melbourne picked up uh, Madison Gay from Carlton. Yeah, she's a very interesting one. You know, she's shown some good form uh, in the past and through, you know, VFLW and everything. So I think she's one that could really surprise and and a bit of an underrated pick. Like they didn't, obviously with the trades, uh, there wasn't much publicized about a lot of the trades because you had all North Melbourne and Geelong picking up all their players that some of the trades sort of just slid under the radar a bit. But I think she's one that could really slot in there and, and be an important player. Amelia Barton crossed from Collingwood to Carlton. Yeah, as a Carlton supporter, I'm very happy about that. Obviously, Amelia Barton's a, a great player and um, she's one too that can have a real impact on the contest. And she's an experienced head as well. I mean, she looks really composed with the with the footy in hand and she was a huge asset for the Pies as well. And I think um, it's it's a really key pickup for the Blues um, considering they lost the likes of Maddie Kerrig in the midfield too. So they'll definitely need her to kind of make an influence there. She's probably the toughest player in the league yeah. for mine. Like she just goes in no regard That's, for yeah. her safety. Like you're almost like, oh, jeez, watch out. Like you almost want to take a backward step for her because she's that tough. Yeah. And then, of course, you had uh, Talia Radden who made the jump from Adelaide across to Melbourne. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a kind of an interesting one as well. I mean, there's it's a kind of an unforeseen circumstance of, of how she got um, to Melbourne. But... Uh, it'd be interesting to see what she does. I mean, Melbourne obviously have a lot of um, faith in her, obviously um, having watched her, and I think it'd be really a chance to prove herself there because we didn't see as much of her at the Crows as we would have liked, and I think it's a chance for her to kind of um, get that second chance at a new club and really succeed in the new the new look Melbourne lineup. Let's have a look at some of the players that were delisted and maybe their chances of being picked up again. There's obviously a retirees in there as well. If we look at the Collingwood Football Club, we have retiree announcements from Bree White's retired. Caitlin Edwards has retired for the moment from AFLW. She said she might come back, yep. but she's playing uh, rugby as we speak. 
Meg Hutchins uh, has gone to Hawthorne VFLW, claimed that she's retired. We're begging and pleading that she uh, rescinds on that decision she and comes back. She could still play. I mean, she's amazing. And she'd probably be hungry to play now. That she, uh, now she's got her first premiership in her career, which we should congratulate yeah. her for too. If she did a John Farnham and did yet another comeback tour, I don't think anyone would be fast. You know, we'd, be, <laughs> we'd be happy to see her back on the main stage. Tara Morgan was delisted, uh, I believe played with a couple of games with the Bulldogs in the VFLW. Yep, yep. Tessa Riero was delisted, ended up playing a number of games for Richmond in the VFLW. Um, so that concludes uh, the Collingwood um, delistings. Um, Morgan okay at the Bulldogs, but Tessa Riero was ripping things up at Richmond VFLW. Look, a cut above the rest in the games that d- she did play. A raging bull in the um, midfield. Who does she suit? Where could she go? Yeah, it's an interesting one to kind of to see where she goes because any player could kind of want that aggressive player in their side. I think um for me, I think I liken her to kind of the Bulldogs. I don't know why, but I just think they need just that that crunching hard midfielder in there. I know Conti's probably the one that stands out in terms of aggression, but just that bigger body might be helpful in the Bulldogs lineup for them. I think trying to replace as much as not the same in height, but trying to replace an O'Connor yeah. as as a raging bull that you need someone just to clean house when it comes to the pack situation. Yeah, I think that's de- that's definitely a role that Tessa Riero can play. And I think seeing her in Richmond, I mean, like like Barton, like we were saying before, she's one of those aggressive players as well that can um that goes in hard and um never leaves the footy, never leaves her, her um anything out in the field. I mean, she's one of those players that you really want in your lineup. You know, she's she's skillful, she's aggressive, and you know she attacks the footy hard. You know, you're going to get 100 percent from her every time she. Um, puts a jumper on. The Carlton Football Club uh, had the listings, including Laura Attard, Sarah Last, Kate Shearlaw, Tina Cochran, Katie Jane Grieve, and Madeline Kerrick. Stop the press on Madeline Kerrick. The final series that she had for Geelong was one out of the box. I guess the only question is, is she nominating just for Geelong? And Geelong will say, thank you, and pick her up. Or does she go the whole Victorian uh, Victoria Y pool? And if that happens, and it's the cat amongst the pigeons, her final series performance makes you wonder, could she jump ahead of a couple of under-18s, knowing, right, here's an experienced midfielder that has played along the likes of Emma Carney, Ali Blackburn, Alicia Eva, etc., in that Melbourne Uni engine room? She's a ready-made player, so that's something that definitely I think clubs will look for. I think a point to prove as well. Yeah. Mm. And that's the thing. I wonder whether she does just nominate for Geelong. Um, if Geelong say, we're going to take you, then there's... I wouldn't be surprised if she did because obviously, you know, it's a way of going, they've backed her in, they've played her, she's performed and, you know, she's that type of player that'll just stand up and they, they know what to get out of her. And, and you know, they, they didn't go as heavily recruiting as uh, North for experienced players. So they're going to have some great youngsters coming through. So I think being able to draft a, you know, a mature age as someone who's had that experience, I think she'd be a very important get for them. The thing interesting for her is that she's still living in Melbourne, I think, at the mm. moment too. So there's probably a tendency to stay in the Melbourne region. I don't know if she'll nominate Justin Geelong, but I think she'll obviously be a perfect suit there considering what she do- what she did for them this season. And um, I think she really got to learn how to work with the likes of Rochelle Cranston as well. I think those two together in the same midfield really um, helped each other's games and helped improve them. I mean, Cranston was a bit more cleaner with the ball, whereas Kerrick found that aggression on the inside. So I think those two together, um, you know, really built each other's talent up. But I think if they're both at Geelong, you, you've got to watch out really. You look at a couple of back pocket players like the likes of Laura Attard and Sarah Last, what's a club that probably needs a defender or two that may not necessarily play every game, but is someone to fill a hole should there be an omission through injury or suspension? For well, me, it, it kind of looks like the like the Giants mm. to me. I know it's a kind of an outside club. It's yeah, because we suggested yeah. earlier in, in one of our earlier episodes should Attard, as much as she's got obviously the connections back here to Melbourne, does she look at for a few months going 
to Sydney. Yeah, it's always it's it's an outside prospect of them. Yeah, incredibly obviously, outside, yeah, yeah but, <laughs> of but, obviously them going. Yeah. But the, the giant, it's probably the Giants is probably the one in need of defenders. So that's probably looking the like. If you just look at size purely rather than likelihood of going there, then it's probably the Giants that um, are probably in need of a defender to kind of make that move up the ladder. Because like we said in a previous episode, they're kind of um, tipped to be a bit stagnant this year, considering they haven't done too much um, in terms of trading. But yeah, it's you never know. And Kate Shearlaw, who uh, played a handful of games for Darabin in the forward line after being delisted by Carlton. Tall forward, uh, a marking forward, uh, more of a chess mark actually rather than an overhead mark mm. uh, from what I've seen. Is she the kind of footballer that if you're Collingwood, you gamble on saying, look, we may need a tall forward option? Because I know they tried with Emma King and it didn't quite work out. Do they try the experiment again, but with Shearlaw? Well, she's she's the one that, like Collingwood's the club that you would think that if she gets that second chance, that's definitely the one they'd look for. Because right now their forward line, as we mentioned, has really been gutted a fair bit by um, the other clubs. So And now with Chloe Molloy, who probably would have gone forward, uh, is out for the season. They just desperately need a forward. Um, you know, And she's someone that, you know, might might get a chance for a year and then she really performs and gets another contract or you know it's just worth taking a chance because they need some mature bodies in there they can't sort of draft I guess four or five kids and just shove them in and hope they'll um, get together they do need those experienced bodies so certainly I'd say she'll get in there and Nicole Hildebrand is as we mentioned went forward so I dare say she'll probably be playing forward now so um, it'll be interesting but yeah she's definitely one I'd give her a chance on. Let's have a look at the Melbourne delistings. We've got Laura Jure, formerly known as Laura Corrigan, Alyssa Mifsud, uh, Maddie Shevlin, and we'll say on a technicality, Daisy Pierce, who <laughs> yeah. won't be playing because uh, got a couple of buns cooking in the oven no. there. Congrats to her on uh, the Twins. That will be due around the end of the AFLW season. I'll look at two of those names. Uh, first of all, Alyssa Mifsud, who we've talked about, um, who played uh, with the Western Bulldogs VFLW in one game, four or five goals. Looks to be on fire again. We've suggested in a previous episode that maybe GWS is the place for her. Again, is she one that we we hark on back to Collingwood who need forwards? Or will she find herself a home on the Bulldogs list because of the VFLW connection? Well, she's definitely needed by Collingwood again. Like they'll pretty much take any forward, I'd say, that, that yeah. has that experience. <laughs> they need anyone um, in that forward end. And like I said in the last episode that she's one of the most unlucky players to get delisted because she certainly showed signs, and she's shown it again in the VFLW. So I'd be very surprised if Collingwood weren't at least considering her um, to draft her, and, and the Bulldogs should too because they've obviously – she's been playing under their roof, so she'll um, no doubt be in consideration for them as well. I think one that from the, from that mobile list that probably deserves to kind of find a spot back on back on an AFLW list is Maddie Shevlin. I think she had a really promising season for the Casey Demons, and um, she played her role really well. She's one of those standouts that can accumulate the footy. She's a real ball magnet, and it could be a cha- uh, case of Melbourne picking her back up. That that kind of you know re-signing thing that they, that the clubs do sometimes, or another club might have their eyes set on it. I thought pro- I thought possibly you know um, she could be a good like uh, a replacement kind of for Daisy Pierce, but obviously not the case with them picking up Sheriff, which is still a good pick. But, um, yeah, I think Shevlin can definitely find her way onto another list. Laura Jure is interesting because um, she stopped playing the moment she was delisted. And, of mm. course, I was just quickly checking Instagram online unless it was another day. Oh, is she pregnant as well? I just thought, <laughs> I thought I'd just check is that the reason she's not playing. Um, I'm not quite sure 100% the reason why I haven't heard a retirement announcement or anything like that. So I don't know if she's going to throw her hand up to have another crack at AFLW again. Um, if she does, you would almost say a back pocket player by the type mm. that she plays. Does she go to the Bulldogs to try and play in defence there? Does she try and fit somewhere in at North Melbourne? I guess, is there a spot left for her? Because I guess the criticism from one or two is maybe she was a little bit off the pace 
in 2018, compared to a very good 2017, where she was sixth in the Melbourne Best and Fairest. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a hard situation with her. I mean, you know, obviously having one standout year and one kind of, yeah, you know, it's it's hard to kind of see where, where she's actually at. And obviously, like I said, the decision not for her to continue footy after she retired kind of makes clubs think, does she really want to play? Is she interested? You know, we haven't seen enough of her. Are we avail- Are we able to pick her up if we haven't seen enough of her um, in local colours? So it'd be interesting to see what happens with her because she's probably – um, she's an odd case. I mean, we don't know exactly what her intentions are with um with Aussie Rules football. So it'd be interesting to see what what clubs make of it. And uh, maybe they could be having chats to her behind the scenes to see what actually her goals are because she's definitely one player that could be handy in the team. You know, like you mentioned, like a, like a Bulldogs team. But um, if her intentions aren't there, then it's obviously going to be a lost cause. The Western Bulldogs had four delistings: Rachel Ashley, Kimberly Ebb, Laura Bailey, and Jessica Anderson. The name that stands out for me again: we talk defenders. Mm-hmm. Kimberly Ebb, who had a solid finals campaign for Hawthorne and played in a premiership for them in the VFLW. Yeah, like she was one that was really impressive, I thought, um, throughout. And, and she really stood out for Hawthorne and, you know, gave herself the best opportunity to be drafted by a club. And, and certainly there's no better stage to do that than the big stage uh, down at Etihad Stadium. So I think she'd have to be another mature ager that might come in later in the draft. Or, or if she doesn't get it this year, obviously there's expansion next year and another good season behind her, she could really slot in. And the Bulldogs, they won the premiership, so it's a hard side to sort of squeeze into anyway if, you, if you're just outside that top uh, sort of group. So, I mean, that they have lost a few players, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether Ebb ends up going to an expansion club or perhaps she gets picked up by another club or maybe she's another year off. It'll, it'll really depend. I guess the Anderson question is she does play the swing where one can play forward or back, but that was kind of like a role that jinxed Louise Stevenson for a while until she settled at Richmond at the halfback flank position, that you're not quite 100% sure of what is Anderson's best role. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of hard to tell. You know, with, with players being so versatile, it can be a good thing, but it can work to a disadvantage as well because when you get them on an AFLW list, you think, where do you start them? You know, you, you see them at training and they're good athletes and everything like that, but it's not enough to tell where they could kind of make stay in, in a position, you know. It's with her. It's, if they, she does get um onto a, onto a list, there's going to be a lot of throwing around and see where she could possibly um do her best work, which I don't think AFLW clubs have time for. I mean, it's a short season; they need to get the best players in the positions right away, so they don't have time to really mess around with positions. So it's an interesting case. Yeah, I think those kind of players that if they get drafted, then the club just has to go, we're going to play them there. Yeah. Uh, and then just go, right, from day one preseason, you're a defender or day one preseason, you're a forward and that's where you'll play. Um, sure, you've still got the knowledge that if someone gets injured mid-game or someone picks up an injury and you have to play up the other end, then you've got that ability. But you can't sort of be switching, say, a half here, half there um, throughout games. I think it's just sort of we're going to train you to be a defender or train you to be a forward, and then that's where you, you slot in. Let's take a look at some of the players that may have not been picked up yet and uh, that could uh, end up being drafted that are senior women over the age of 18. I want to start, first of all, in the VFL women's grand final. We obviously talked about Kerrick earlier, who had a good game, third on the disposal sheet for Geelong. But clearly, the Lisa Hardiman, best on ground. I couldn't believe she didn't get drafted last year. In defence, Chantella Pereira. Yeah, obviously coming from a basketball background as well. I think she was a champ, um, a championship player in the WNBL as well. So she's had that. Um, she's had a lot of success, obviously, in her, in her short career. And like Patty Hill's rate, pa- Patty Hill rates are really high. So no doubt he'll be trying to, to get her onto an AFLW list, considering um, 
her athletic ability as well. She can she's gone to the best player pretty much in every game she's played. She's played, and I think she spent a lot of time on McWilliams in that in that um I'm um, not McWilliams um in that grand, um, in that grand final, but um obviously not on her own team, but you know what I mean. She she goes to the best players, you know, generally in every game. I think Clifford's probably the one I have in mind that she that she went to. So um she's one that can that can lock down players, and like we keep saying, a lot of teams need defenders. So is it a matter of getting her out of the Melbourne kind of territory and getting her to go somewhere else? Is that what could be the best fit for Pereira? Considering our look at um, some of the other players that might get picked up, Rosie Dillon, who had a, a mm. standout semi-final for the Hawks against Collingwood. Someone said that, uh, similar to Sarah Perkins, she didn't seem to have didn't the fit shape, the, didn't the, fit the mold, the mold yeah. of a footballer, I think said that, but, yeah. but has has racked up positions and has you know just kept slowly but surely lifting her output and lifting her game. It's the same situation, like same kind of um, build as Christy Harvey as well. You know, the, mm. the players that don't kind of fit the mold but get the job done. And I think that's something that AFLW list should look for. I mean, it's not, you know, the first year I think there was a lot of kind of attention to kind of looking at that kind of that cover girl AFLW player that every team strives for. But now there's a bit more variety that you can go for. I mean, there's role players, there's um, there's inside players and there's outside players. You know, there's players that can play different roles. And I think to have a player like Dylan in your side who just keeps seems to be improving every single game um, is definitely one that you want. And uh, from all reports from Paddy Hill, she's an incredibly hard worker as well, and that's exactly what a coach wants. And another one to throw up from that Hawthorne team, obviously, Olivia Flanagan's one that yeah. she was really considered Unlucky last year. Yeah, yeah, she was academy and, you know, and went to the combine and everything like that. And she's, she's obviously still young. Like, she's only a, you know, 19-year-old that year level. So, um, I think she's someone who clubs would just have to consider because she she stands out with the, the the bigger body. She can come straight in, and like it can still fit like a Collingwood who are trying to go young. They're not looking as much to the experience, but she's still young, so she's ready made. She could slot in. She's sort of a perfect fit. Yeah. Absolutely. As we look through some of the other players, and we'll pick out from random clubs these names, um, they may have finished on the bottom of the table, but there's been a lot of praise around the work of Hayley Bullis at Essendon. Oh, she's been one of my favourites this season. I mean, she is one of the most aggressive players in the competition. I think, what does she have, 18 tackles one game, and then followed it up the next week with another dozen or so. So she's one that just um, goes in incredibly hard for the footy. She kind of reminds me of an Emily Marinoff type player as well, that, that hard tackling inside player that deserves to be on an AFLW list. And I think another one from her team as well could be Courtney Eugle as well. I mean, um, the key, the, the running, the running's type of style defender is, um, is really handy in an AFLW list. And I think those two should definitely, um, be looked at in this draft. And, um, Bullis is one, um, that probably got a bit more recognized during the season. So she probably, um, has more of a chance, but I think Eugle's one that definitely, needs to be taken into consideration as well. Named on the bench in the VFLW Team of the Year, yep. played the Young Guns game, uh, Richmond footballer Alice Edmonds. Yeah, I like I like the look of Alice Edmonds too. I mean, she was, I think she complimented King well at Richmond, so that, could that be um, a kind of um, match for, um, for um, sorry, North Melbourne to kind of get them back together kind of thing? Um, we don't know, but um, Edmonds obviously learned how to work with um, a, um, a ruck and she obviously played her role really well during the season. Obviously, naming two rucks in the VFLW team of the year means, you know, there's another good ruck in the competition, and Alice Edmonds um, fits that mould. And Jacqueline Graham's another one who played quite well throughout the season. Um, yeah, a good Richmond. defender too, yeah. I liked Ella Ross as well for her impact on the ball in the game that she played against Essendon under lights at punt right oval. Yeah, and I think there's plenty. There's, there's actually a lot from Richmond as well, just uh, thinking of their general list as well. I mean, Phoebe Monaghan as well, I don't think she gets enough attention 
at all. I mean, Lee Disposal get her in almost all the games for Richmond this year. She just knows how to find the footy. She's a hard worker too. So there's definitely some players, despite a, um, a not-so-great season, there's some great talent in the Richmond lineup that clubs should be looking out for, and especially with Richmond coming in over the next couple of years. Watch out. We talk about Mia Ray Clifford being picked up. We'll just mention also a couple of names that aren't uh, in the draft that we forgot to mention earlier that were picked up. Alison Drennan from the Saints going to North Melbourne. Mick yep. McDonald as well, who was originally a Bulldogs-listed player. Uh, she was picked up, and she is now at Geelong. Yeah, and I think um, I think Julia Crockett-Grills is another one that's yep. going with the Geelong as well. So. They've really they've done pretty well, Geelong, to kind of look at you know not those high name, not those um, popular names. They've looked really they've really done their homework on the players that they can pick up, and then you know Meg McDonald's you know one of those hardworking players that does well behind the scenes. I mean she doesn't get all the accolades and all the mentions that she probably does deserve, but she works hard behind the scenes, and I'm glad that Geelong have picked up on that because I think she'll be a good role player for them. Another player who uh, shot her name on the radar at the last moment was Ashley Malnickus. Uh, she played for Weemstown. Final round of the season was the video stream game, and she did a tagging role on Emma Carney, and uh, it shut Emma Carney out. Of the- I think Emma didn't get into double figures with touches, and at one stage, Emma was left the ground in the final quarter, dragged by the runners because she was spewing venom. And if <laughs> Emma Carney's spewing venom, you're doing something well. It yeah. means you've shut her down. And that's what she did. Ashley Malnicka stepped up. She was awarded best on ground by the Williamstown Football Club, said, you took on the best player in the AFLW, and you shut her out. And that's interesting. And I always wonder when, when you have how teams can afford sort of taggers or pure taggers and how it'll fit. Because obviously in the women's game, having the couple of less players on the field, uh, how it'll work taking one-on-one out. Um, but it obviously has a role. And, and if, if there's a club that might need a specified tagger, uh, then she could really fit that bill. And, and perhaps she's got a few other strings they can test and see what else she can do when, say, the opposition doesn't have that standout player. So it'll be interesting, but she does sort of fill that role that's a bit different to others that I, I guess you've got on offer. Yeah, and I think the same thing could be said with um, with Brand Catasano in the under-18s as well. I think we saw her play a role on, or was it Tyler Hanks this mm. season? I think she played a bit of a, a tagging kind of defensive mid-role on her. So... Um, it's, there's definitely a place for tagging in the AFLW and it probably should be looked at a bit more. I think possibly the one that really stood out the most was when Brittany Benici tagged Daisy Pierce that oh, game yeah. up in Alice Springs yeah. and then backed up by trying to shut down Emma Carney at Moe. So that all of a sudden alighted the role of, look, there are women out yeah. there who can do the tagging job and do the shutdown work. Um, I think of Akak Makua Chout, a player that was from WA, yeah. moved across to Victoria. Um, as I've always said, she's got the height for a ruck and she has played ruck in an exhibition game of Eagles versus Dockers. A little bit skinny for my like. I look at her and go, geez, you'd just like to have her in the gym to see if she could get a bit yeah. more upper body strength because she's like, she's got the speed, she's got the height. She can go, she's not, hasn't got fear, she can go into contests, but she's just possibly lacking that little bit of going in the contest and cleaning house, as in if I don't take the mark, I'm going to take some bodies with me on the way through. Yeah, I think it's just that finesse that she kind of lacks a bit in her game, but all the other assets, brilliant. I mean, I love her outside run. I mean, I saw her, I think it was a game against Williamstown early, earlier in the year. She got heaps of the ball on the outside and along the boundary line too, which is, um, which is crazy to see too. I mean, she was able to run and carry in difficult positions tight, on, tight in a pocket, so... Um, she's a smart footballer, despite you know the lack of kind of finesse that we keep talking about in her game. But she knows how to get the footy, and she just does it in a, in a unique way, which might appeal to some clubs because she's not you know a stereotypical kind of going half of the footy and just grab it. If she doesn't, if she doesn't get it, she's happy to back up and um and back up in her own way. I mean, she doesn't have to you know spoil the ball or anything. She'll find it at ground level, which is really good to see too. 
Another player that caught my eye during the year is former Super Tiger Reds player in Caitlin Cox, uh, who in the VFLW almost played a clone role of Tilly Lucas Rod. Mm, she was really crucial for that. I mean, mm. I think, um, you know, she's, she's one of those players that can that can get up forward and, and make an influence up there. I mean, she's one that she can get goals quickly, which is, I think, something that the competition, the AFLW is potentially lacking a bit. She's one of those players that can really um, make an impact in kind of an instant, kind of like the Madison Smith we were talking about in our last podcast as well, who can kind of just go bang, bang and get the get the um, the scoreboard rolling. And um, I think she was in um, contention to get picked up last year as well. Yeah, yeah. I know there were clubs that were very, very keen on her. So I think she was one of the ones that was a bit unlucky. Um, it probably didn't help that Seaford wasn't the best team because obviously, one of, you know, the Hoskins, uh, one of them was out and they were sort of struggling um, in terms of, I guess, their depth. Uh, they had a the couple of really good players and then they sort of dropped away. And she's come to Carlton and really stood up uh, in that same mix, I guess, with the Hoskins and, and whatnot. So I think she's uh, she's got that real talent and she could be that late sort of draft pick. She Obviously, there isn't much of her, but she, she attacks the ball really hard. Throw in there from Essendon and Courtney Ugal, a player mm. that just keeps attacking and attacking and attacking, has got the work rate, maybe not the cleanest skills going around, but she is creative. Keeps going at every contest, doesn't shirk the hard ball. Uh, can we find her somewhere in position? Because I look at her and I go, on an AFLW list, out of their 30 players, you might rank her as the back half, the 25 to 30. She is kind of that midfielder that if you do have an injury, okay, she can slot in and she'll probably play the fourth midfielder role. I kind of like her. You know, like I said before, I'm a huge fan of Eugle and what she's been able to do with, um, for Essendon this year. She's probably been um, in their top two players. I kind of liken her to like a Carlton outfit, obviously losing... Both Hardiman and Gillespie Jones, they need that defensive, um, that defensive player back there. And obviously, Gab Pound's done a great job in the AFLW list, and she did have a a good VFLW season too. And I think um, those two could work really well together. So I kind of liken her to that Carlton list, just because she's got that speed, and so does Pound. So they're two similar players, and if they're on, you know, a flank or a pocket each, then it's pretty damaging for the Blues to kind of get that rise back up the ladder. Another player I want to highlight is Canadian Valerie Moreau. Mm. Great speed, great tackle pressure. Again, probably another player that plays a tagger-type role. The only criticism that I've probably heard from her through the ranks is doesn't have the finishing ability yet when it comes to goal kicking. Yeah, I mean, she's she's exciting when she gets the ball in hand. I mean, she's she's quick, she's aggressive. Um, but like you said, you know, I think I probably if I saw her scoring this year, I'd probably say she's got a couple more behinds than, uh, than goals this year. But... You know, once she gets the ball in here, she can make some magic. And I think being on that AFLW list, getting a good preseason ahead of her might actually really help that to polish up her goal kicking because she's got the basics now. It's just a matter of um, finishing, get that, getting that um, polish in her game, which I think you'll get from an AFLW list who are obviously looking for, you know, players from different sports or different countries as well. We know Moreau's been um, in Aussie rules for a, a while now. You know, she's really getting used to the game and um, she's done a great job in Essendon Colours this year. Continuing our look through here on the road to the AFLW Draft, thanks to afldraftcentral.com.au. We try and pick out some other players. We look at some of those Collingwood-listed players like Shayla Marsh, who's been consistent for them all year. They're number 99. Chloe Layton was in the back pocket. Uh, Paige Nash picked up a fair bit of the football. Nicole Hales is also one of their backline players that has that has stood tough all year. Yeah, definitely. There's There's a lot of gold there. And I know talking to people, they thought, of all the clubs, Collingwood's VFL contingent, non-AFLW listed players, were probably the strongest of any of the other sides because a lot of the other sides relied a lot upon their AFLW players to have an impact, where Collingwood, early in the season where a lot of them were out, it was their VFLW players that stood up. And 
and they've had a lot of young uh, players come through the list as well. And one that didn't play TAC Cup, but we saw that um, she went and played in the school footy and won best on ground was Emily Browning. And she mm. she's oh, played her. school footy. Yeah. She's played VFLW. So she wasn't 18 and she's playing um, in the VFLW. And she has a kick that I think most, you know, most AFL players would be impressed by. Like, she can kick over 50 metres easily, play midfield forward. She's even had a go on the ruck. She's... You know, she kicked three goals in six games. She, She's still very, very young, but she's one that – she's outside the tax system, but she's one that they've got to try and keep an eye on, I, I think. I think in that Herald Sun Shield grand final as well, I think she kicked two goals from yep. outside 50 as yeah. well. So that was amazing. I mean, her kicking was sensational. and She really should be um, be looked at. And Collingwood are very lucky to have her on a VFLW list. They cannot let her go mm. from there. If, they're gonna, they, if they don't get her to an AFLW list, they should, get, they, they should definitely keep her down on the VFLW list too. And we mentioned we mentioned her in the last podcast, but Jess Edwards is the other one that you've just got to consider. Yeah. Like for off-field and on-field, she's just terrific. She's amongst the best nearly every game. And, you know, she plays off that half-back, but she can play other positions as well. You know, she just leads, she goes up, she goes when she has to, she stays back and defends when she needs to. She's just got that really good um, off-field presence as well as on-field. When you talk about that leadership experience, you've got Jessica Kennedy at Richmond, yeah. who, again, has won their best and fairest. This is a difficult situation for Jessica, whether this to not nominate for the draft and just stick it out with Richmond for one more year and hoping to automatically then be on Richmond's AFLW list, or does she just take the opportunity now, throw the hat in the ring, and does a club go, right, we're going to take Richmond's captain? Well, you'd think, surely, if you're keen on playing, you'd put your hat in the ring now. Um, and if she doesn't get drafted, then she's no worse off than if she didn't put it. Um, I don't think Richmond could blame her if she wants to go play uh, AFLW at the highest level. And at worst, Richmond might then go, hey, we'll trade for you next year or you bring you back. And then you've had the AFLW experience as well because she could come back and still play VFLW for them. Um and and whatnot, but she's uh, someone who could step up to one of the existing clubs and and play there for the time being, and then comes back and she's even better player for Richmond uh, in the VFLW. I think the interesting thing for her, I think she still lives in Bendigo. Am I right in saying that? In well, not a, yeah, I believe I she does. She, yeah, she, she runs she does the Bendigo, Bendigo contingent so that travels down. Yeah, that, that might be a factor in you know whether she wants to is she happy to kind of make that next move into AFLW or is she? Um, I think like Emma Grant still lives in Bendigo as well. Is that is that could she learn off her and kind of think maybe I can do that role as well? But I think that travelling side I know makes it really difficult um, for her to kind of you know see her future in AFLW. But based on performance, she definitely could um, make her mark in. Obviously, winning the best and fairest for Richmond. But yeah, it's just it's it's hard with that situation of you know the travel situation for lots of the girls. I mean, obviously you know the Gippsland girls, obviously um, you know the Tackle girls. We spoke to a lot of them too. Travelling was a huge issue. For Murray girls, I spoke to Julia Harvey, I think, travelling three hours plus, you know. Um, travelling could take a toll, so it's a matter if they actually want it's to – it's, it's a matter if they actually want to make the move down to Melbourne just for a, a half a season or if they want to stay and just um, deal with the travelling. So I think that's definitely a, a factor that um, we've got to take into account for this draft too. You've got one of the other Moody sisters as well from Carlton, Celine Moody. Yes, I think – I was going to say for her when we were talking about Collingwood before that she could probably be the one that fits the mould for that – um, for that forward role, I think Bree's obviously more of a designated ruck, but Celine's one that can um, that can move forward to kick a couple of goals. And I thought she did well for Carlton playing as that deep forward role. And I think um, when Sheila Law was was there for the first part of the season, they worked in tandem together. But I think yeah, she's definitely one that could certainly fit at Collingwood, and I think she should be looked at too. 
You talked about Rucks earlier, and we talked about Collingwood and who could go there. They've they've got almost you call it the understudy in the VFLW do Eliza Hines. They've got Erica Fowler. Mm-hmm. She's she and she's one that predominantly played um, full forward as well too. So she's one that you know a ruck forward as we know is so so valuable. And you know we we're saying we said with Emma King before, you know she's designated ruck, but Fowler can has that forward presence too, which could be really handy for them as well. So I I think Collingwood should try and look to try and get an experienced ruck in because yeah. obviously they've lost Emma King and you've got Eliza Hines in there who's tall, but at the end of the day she's still learning the game because she has come from another sport. Yeah, so volleyball, yeah. yeah, so she's still learning it and you can see that. Like she she's able to tap the ball, but she's still learning the ways of I guess putting it really to advantage or, or having more impact off the ball and you can see it's developing. But to get someone in there, maybe They've got a year left of footy or two years left of footy. I know they're going for a youth kind of thing, but even if you've got a player who comes in and just even off field mentors her and then maybe plays one or two games with her and just really shows her the way, it would be fantastic just to see that happen. I think that would like have a rapid development because coaches can teach you so much, but when you're actually out there on the field and say you're an actual player yourself and you're doing it with them, then you can actually learn so much. Let me mention an opponent of uh, Heinz during the semifinal series where Heinz beat a for hit outs, but she beat Hines around the ground, and that was Maddie McMahon of Geelong. Yeah, we love Maddie McMahon's yeah. season, didn't we? I mean, she was like, 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 um, like many of the rucks we kind of talk about, she's one that can head down forward as well and make an influence down there. I think she's really versatile as well. I really noticed that she's really agile both in the air and on the ground as well. So she's not one of those, you know, the ruckman that can't get the ground ball, she's one that can dig in hard as well. So um, she's been one that's impressive too. Yeah. I'll keep an eye on another ruck. She's experienced, obviously, won't go to Collingwood. Because Plenty of they, rocks, aren't they? Because, My God. <laughs> because they delisted her um, back after the end of the 2017 season but had a solid, solid year for Hawthorne VFLW, and that was Lou Watton. Mm. Oh, Lou Watton, how amazing is she? I mean, that like like Meg Hutchins, that was her first premiership um, in her football career too. And like Meg as well, I'm going to keep comparing those two because they're, two, they're lifelong friends. But like Meg as well, she's, she's at an older age, but she still looks... Fantastic. She's still one of those really experienced players that can really lift up a team, you know, just with just with ruck work. I mean, how can you do that with just tapping the ball to a midfield? I mean, how how can that possibly be influential? But Lou Wadden finds a way and um she was huge for Hawthorne mm. this season. Couple of uh forward players that have got under the radar. They've been on the Bulldogs VFLW list. You had Jess Frankie, who can either play forward or half forward, mm. and they're gonna play they can play forward or midfield. You've got Sarah Jolly. Yeah, I think there's there there are um two kind of up-and-coming players, I'd say, for the Bulldogs as well on the VFLW side, um, in and out of the side, obviously, with plenty... Bulldogs made plenty of changes this year, as we know. I think Frankie was like um, Misfit as well, scored like four or five goals one game too, so she's one that knows how to um, get the goals on the board. And Jolly as well, she's one that could rack up the touches. I mean, we didn't we, we didn't really notice her because of the other ball-getters in the competition, like you know, the likes of Drennan and Duffin um, for the Southern States and um, the Seagulls, respectively. But... um. Yeah, she's one that could definitely get a heap of the ball as well. And they've got their ruck as well, Nicole McMahon, to think about. Mm. Yeah, there's t- how many rucks have we got? It's yeah, crazy. I mean, um, but, you know, McMahon was another one that did her job throughout the season too. So um, definitely a hard choice for the for the selectors for the selectors of the AFLW clubs. I kind of feel for them at the moment because okay. there's some um, real good talent both in the TAC Cup system and um, the VFLW system too. So um, it's certainly hard to kind of decipher. Do you take experience or youth considering, you know, the youth's really talented but the lack of experience or the experience is, you know, got experience but it is a lack of talent. So it's kind of like a it's a two-way street for those kind of players. Out of Melbourne Uni, first of all, you've got to play this player as the 23rd player for a while and that was Caitlin Greiser yeah. in yeah. the forward line. Oh, we again, love Caitlin Greiser. Again, we? <laughs> you, we, we talk about Collingwood needing their forwards. Yeah. 
there's a player sitting I, there. I think she's one they'll really consider. Um, and they're going to have to do it before North get to their pick, I think, because, you know, the Melbourne Uni connection, um, I think that in that second lot of picks where they got a couple in a row before we get to North, I think they would seriously take a good look at her because she did it for Western Jets and she kicked a lot of goals considering seven, they didn't seven have a goals, lot. Seven goals in two games yeah. as well during yeah. the season too, and, so she can definitely kick some goals. And considering like Western Jets obviously didn't have the best season, they didn't get it a heap down in the forward line, she would then move into the ruck and potentially play there and there's the ruck solution potentially. So she's just so smart. I think the one thing that stands out with her is the fact that she knows how to position herself. She outbodies her opponent and often she plays from behind which is a little different from most forwards. She plays from behind, uses her body to sort of knock her opponent under the ball because she knows the ball's going over the top, and then she runs onto it and kicks a goal. I saw her do that multiple times in the TAC Cup, and, and she does in the VFLW. She's just so clever. So Yeah, I think I saw it against um, the Western Jets only win mm. against the Eastern Raiders this season. She, she did play a lot behind the footy as well, and she actually won a lot of free mm. kicks for it as well. I mean, it's a really smart way that Griser plays, and it's something that a club would be looking at thinking, do we really need to fix up her, her style or do we let her kind of run mm. free with it in the AFLW? Because obviously, um, you know, the upcoming players have been taught to, you know, kind of play in front of your player, but guys doing it differently and it's, and it's working. I think she's deceptively quick too. Yeah. Like she doesn't look like a quick player because she's really built because she's, she's come, um, you know, from that soccer background, but she's deceptively quick. So if she gets ahead of you, there's not that many that'll catch her. So she's quite good at um, sort of recovering, picking up the ball and kicking a goal. So definitely one they have to consider. Also at the Muggers, there's been the American that's played fullback all year, Virginian-born, recruited out of Sacramento's sons, Katie Klatt. Yeah, Katie Clark, I know she's internally rated by um, you know, her other um, you know, international teammates as well from the from um her competition there. Um she's one that's had a lot of experience in the Aussie rules um could um line up as well. I mean, she's one that could, she's a huge role player as well. I think she did really well for Melbourne Uni this season to kind of just not, you know, have that X factor like, you know, mm. a lot of players do, but she's one that can just shut down a player do a job and you're happy with what she does. That's why she was consistently in the side. And one player I thought I'd raise as well, like it's in the same boat um, as Caitlin Cox, I think, is Isling Tupper because she's that smaller yeah. player who just attacks the footy. You know, she knows she's never going to be sort of that unbelievable classy ball winner, but she just goes in so hard, wins the footy, gets it out, and, and she sort of, I guess, flew under the radar because when you've got, you know, you the AFLW best and fairest and the, you know, Morrish medalers or TAC Cup best and fairest and, and potential top couple of players, you know, pick with Maddie Press-Parkas in the midfield as well, it's sort of hard to stand out. And then, of course, you've got Ash Riddell uh, in there as well. So for her, she's just done it brilliantly and I really hope clubs sort of take notice of her because she's someone who um, can really play a role she sort of goes in whatever you want her to do she'll just do it so I think she's one that has to be considered yeah and last year we see in the TAC Cup girls competition as well she was an absolute standout for the pioneers mm. I mean they, they struggled again like like they did this season but yeah she was one that you know stood out head and shoulders above the rest and She's one that was probably a bit unlucky to not get on the list. I'll jump back to the Hawks just for one second because I can't believe I forgot this name. Tamara Luke. Oh, Again, yeah. just solid, hard at it, reliable footballer. Probably will end up playing more in defence, but can pinch hit in the ruck. Well, I thought uh, in the first half, I thought she was probably Hawthorne's best on the weekend. Like when the game was on, she was playing so well um, up there. She was a target. You know, she obviously kicked a goal. She was looking really strong up there. Um, 
I, I just think she's one that offers great versatility and, and really any club could take her because she can play pretty much any role. And um, again, we'd have to get, see the club pick her for a specific role, but she's definitely one that, yeah, you have to consider. If you're looking for excitement machines up in the forward line, how about Kayla Rapari from the Southern Saints? Yeah, she's definitely one that, you know, when you get when she gets the ball in hand, you're like, oh, what's she going to do? You know, she's got that speed, that agility as well. She kind of likens to like a Patrikios in the tack-up girl system, like um, that kind of quick style quick style player. So, um, you know, obviously with that, with Williamstown having the season they did, she doesn't get recognised as much. As uh, Southern Saints. Southern, oh, Southern, Southern, Southern Saints, what am I saying? <laughs> Southern Saints, um, you know, but same same deal with them. Like, um, you know, not the best season they would have thought. But, um, you know, she definitely, watching her, it was exciting to see her get the ball in hand. I, I think the one thing that I've seen that she does well is she's often can be like a defensive forward. Like she can just yeah. be that body there and play a role on a running half back and uh, or whatnot. And really um, she doesn't like hit the scoreboard as much as other forwards. Like you'll think, oh, she was the best forward out there. And you see she's kicked one goal where others have kicked three or four. She just sets it up. She'll be the one that crashes through, knocks someone over. And then she provided such a, a great presence there. Like we saw the youngsters come in, Gabby DeAngelis. And and, well, yeah. and that's the other one. Mm. Gabby DeAngelis is an excitement machine mm. along the wing that time we saw at Frankston. Mm. Yeah, I mean, she's one of my, she's yeah. one of my favourites. Yeah, Pete knows this yeah. very well. Um, I'm a big fan of Gabby's. Um, she's one of those players that just she absolutely she's really down to earth as well. I mean, she's a great player and a great person too. And like we said, um, that excitement um, machine that she is, you know, she can really pick up the speed. And um, you know, I think in the, in the first game for the Southern State, she'd kick the first goal of the game. So she's one that can um, make an impact on the spot. And um, you know, for her to get a couple of games in that lineup, you know, it was a pretty experienced lineup as well. For her to get a couple of games and do well, both in, in the midfield and up forward, I think she was more up forward in, in the VFLW season. But in the Eastern Raiders, you know, with the midfield of Emerson Woods and Michaela Cairn, she was able to play a role as well and still stand out there too. So she's one that can um, have her moments when she's really on. And it's interesting to read, like, Rapari only kicked two goals for the season, which is remarkable for a forward because you're almost yeah. like, you can't believe you'd even be considering her. But you, you think she's so amazing in the work she does off the ball. She's one of the best off the ball forwards you can possibly have because of just the work with her body, crushes packs, gives handballs off, sets up. I reckon if they had the score assists line around, she would be right up there because she just creates opportunities for everyone else. And she was invited to play in the Young Guns mm. game as well at Northport Oval uh, just before the grand final. Yeah, good recognition for her to do that. So let's get some quick yay or nays as we look through the Victorian sides and how we think they will go in the season. Uh, let's first of all start off with the new teams. Uh, the Geelong Football Club, based on what they've got, can they make the top four? Yay or nay? I think yay. Yeah. I mean, their local talent is spectacular. And, um, you know, both their v- VFLW side made the grand final, tack-up girls' side won their grand final. So what's that saying about local talent? It's growing. The girls are really learning off, you know, the, the experienced coaches down there. I know Jason Armistead is doing a great job for the tack-up girls. And obviously Paul Hood did a great job for the VFLW girls as well. So they're learning off their coaches and their local talent down there is seriously growing. I think we spoke to Kate at the start of the season. I think they only had like three or so teams in one league. And now they've got leagues leagues endless and endless um supply of girls and she's saying a lot of the girls that kind of live you know in those outer um, outer victorian readers do want to come to geelong rather than like you know a murray or a bendigo or those other outer type clubs so geelong's a destination club at the moment for a lot of youngsters and I think Geelong are, are perfect. I think definitely I I reckon they're in contention for that top four. They could be the the sort of the dark horse of the competition. I think because what they've done that I guess North haven't. North have recruited 
plenty of unbelievable players. And the question mark is how do they play together? Yeah. With Geelong, they've gone, you know, we're going to pick these players because they fit well together. They play in our VFLW side. They play at the Falcons. Let's slot them in here, bring them up. Let's play little roles for them. They A lot of the players that will play for them actually played for them Um throughout the VFLW season. So they're, they're potentially able to just slot straight in. And for Paul Hood, like he's coached nearly all of them that yeah. are, that'll be on the list. So for him, he gains a couple like your Phoebe McWilliams, Astor O'Connor, those kind, um, Mel Hickey, you know, they'll just slide in and they're, they're the cream on the top, but they've also got that really great uh, a core group that can go, we've just won a VFLW premiership. We've got that extra young talent coming in that can really boost us up. Um, I think they're in a really good position. Yeah, me too. I go for a nay. I think they'll Ooh. finish middle of the pack, <laughs> but I think they'll just finish short. I think, similar to the VFLW side, I think there's a bit of inconsistency still. The side's still developing. Mal Hickey, we don't know what stage of the season she will join. She's trying to rush to get back in time for round one, but remember, she did her knee late in the AFLW yeah. season, so she may not come into midway through. Um, and then, obviously, the impact of how Ostra O'Connor will go, how Phoebe McWilliams will go. There'll be one or two others. So they're adding a little bit of sprinkling to their VFLW side, but that side was it was good. It was the better of the VFLW sides and worthy of a top four position, but they were a bit inconsistent. And I still think it maybe needs one, maybe two years more and a couple of sprinkling of one or two more experienced players and the next crop of youngsters coming through before they really challenge. So I think they'll have a good season. I think they'll be middle of the road, but I think they'll just fall short of the four. Yeah, fair enough. Let's have a look at the North Melbourne Football Club. Do they make top four or do they win the premiership, yay or nay? Yeah, well, uh, top four, I think. I, it would be a complete fail if they didn't make top four to begin with really? because with mm-hmm. that list, yeah. Oh, well, you look at the list. Like, If you've got those names on your team um, and you don't make top four, that would be pretty shattering because... I reckon, like, I don't know how many, you know, all Australians or, you know, um, best top 10 best and fairest winners they've got in that team, but it's unbelievable. Like, they've obviously sold themselves short for the future a little bit because obviously they've been penalised through the draft and whatnot, but they've gone for the now and that's kind of sending a message that they want to win it from the start and they're going to be up there. I, I, I did tip them for the flag, but I am well aware that, that, you know, you've got so many players from different clubs coming in. How are they going to gel? And I think we're going to find out within a few weeks of the season starting and, and over the preseason when they play practice matches. But, uh, like, on paper, they're a fantastic team. But can a team full of champions beat champion teams? So, that's cool. Yeah. I don't think they'll win the premiership just this year. I think it could be a bit um, early to be talking about premiership for North Melbourne. But I think they're a huge chance of finals if, um, either for, if they just make it in or do it convincingly. But... You know, you've got to remember, like, the experienced heads like the Brisbane's and your Adelaide's, you know, who have done that before, Western Bulldogs as well, still retaining most of their players and, you know, with players to come in still. You know, Huntington, obviously, um, we saw how promising she was before she went down. So um, there's there's a bit of competition for North to really push for that premiership in the first year. It'd be amazing, but I don't think they'll do it. Um, but, yeah, I think, I, I think they're, I'm pretty confident that they're going to make finals. I'm going with a nay. I think they will fall short. I, I fear from what I thought about Collingwood in 2017 being bitten twice, as in I was a rave for Collingwood in 2017. When I saw the list on paper, I thought, what a great spine, what a great team. Maybe not the strongest midfield, but that spine will get them to the premiership. 
And then, unfortunately, it was a game plan that didn't work. Yep. It was a game plan that didn't suit that squad, and it blew up. And ironically, near the end of the season, when they threw out that game plan, they played their natural football. Oh, my God, they started winning games. Mm. My fear with North Melbourne is, how will the game plan work? Scott Gowans will think very differently to Wayne Siegman, and Scott Gowans did wonders at Diamond Creek mm. to take them when they fell out of the finals to back being uh, in, in grand final in, in 2017. My worry is about characters. There's a lot of strong personalities that have been mm. recruited. And in any side, in any sport, no matter amateur to professional, you've got to get that right balance of a limited amount of strong characters, those that will follow the leader, those are the quieter types, those are the funnier types. You've got to get that right mix of personalities for a team to click that everyone is on board. And I see a few strong personalities there and a few individuals. And I mm, do wonder... Yeah will they pull in separate directions or can they get it to gel? And I know it's hard to read the form because Melbourne Uni had a few of those players in, but they were rotating players through because it was essentially a development side for North Melbourne. So it's very hard to read, but my worry is, a bit like Peter said about can a team of champions, uh, you know, be beaten by a champion team, is I'm not sure if it's going to... I could be proven wrong. They could streak away and win the premiership, but my gut feeling is at the moment... How do they click? Mm. Yeah, and I think I think an interesting thing with them as well is how do they fit their young players in? I mean, they've gone purely for experience in that in that trade period. You know, you look at the Tasmanian girls that are likely to probably um, end up there. You know, like your, your Haynes twins, your Libby and Chloe, and possibly Lauren Stevenson as well. Like, where do they fit in? I mean, there's so much experience in that lineup. You want to get those youngsters in, but is there is there room to fit them? You know, they're pro- they're possibly key players. But it's a big, um, it's going to be a bit, a bit of a selection headache for North this year. It's just a matter of if they can make the right decisions, they'll probably um, do well. But if they don't, well, you never know with them. It's a bit unpredictable. Mm. And there seems to be a lot of forwards in that lineup too that could potentially play there. And a lot of forwards that you'd almost think could be that number one forward, but there's number one or number two forwards. Yeah. And some of them might have to play in other areas and they might have to throw people into different positions because they've gone there. Because as you mentioned with Collingwood, when they drafted players, they drafted this whiz-bang forward line, but I'm not sure that they all fitted together very well because yeah. they all seemed to be that they kicked so many goals and it was well publicised, but they were sort of in their own teams doing that. So when you put them all together, it's like, oh, who's yeah. the number one top dog? The and, and, and the funny thing is, and, it's, and it will stick out again at North Melbourne like it did at Collingwood, you've got to mow hope. Mo actually works best when the forward line is less crowded. Yeah, when it's all to and, herself. And, and yeah. the ball's coming in quick. Yeah. You get the ball in quick and she can beat them in, in the air or at ground level. But when the forward line becomes crowded or like Collingwood did, they take ages to get the ball yeah. down the forward line. That allows zoning to happen on Mo, and then she's taken out of the contest. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, gonna, it's certainly going to be an interesting season um, for North to see what they do with all that talent. I mean, it, it has it's to unpredictable. Be, it has to be a case if Garner has to push up the ground, high centre-half forward trying to play to wing yeah, the interesting, and, and interesting Duffin case, down the back Yeah, line. I was going to yeah. say, the interesting case is with Duffin. I mean, she mm. she absolutely excelled in the midfield in the VFLW. Like, we know that. But, you know, she might have to just go revert to, it, revert to the back line in North Melbourne. Let's have a look at the Carlton Football Club. Do they win the wooden spoon again, yay or nay? No, no I think they're going to have a good rise this year. I mean... Obviously, disappointing to see Maddie, Maddie Kerrig off their list. That's going to be a big loss. But if they can pick up another Maddie and Maddie Prasparkas, then that could yeah. certainly change things. I think getting that high draft pick will certainly will certainly hold them because either way, they're going to get a yeah. fantastic play and that's, that could be the difference between Wooden Spoon and rising up the ladder for me. I've sort of got them second or third bottom. I think it won't be a good yeah. year for the, uh, the big clubs in uh, Melbourne. I don't really... I, I hate saying this, but yeah, I think that... Uh, 
the 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 big the big supported yeah. clubs in Victoria are probably going to be holding down the other end of the ladder. So um, I reckon Carlton probably go above Collingwood, um, maybe Fremantle or someone like that. But I'm not sure. I'm, I reckon they're probably maybe one position higher. Um, yeah, they've still got some really good talent. It's just got to click. And we saw at the start of the season, they came out all firing and looking great. And then it sort of trailed off as they picked up some injuries and everything like that. And then there was, a, you know, the will Brianna Davy stay or go and, and all that kind of thing. Now she stayed. Um, you know, they still have Taylor Harris and the Hoskins and, you know, and, and Bridie Kennedy will be better for the for the season. And, and Nicholas Vessio Stevens. Well. Yeah, Vessio. Yeah. yeah, they're huge. Um, you know, they've got some real top-end talent. I think it was just the depth at Carlton that they needed to improve a little bit. And, and hopefully they'll get that through the draft and through others improving. I am going to say that Carlton will improve by a spot or two. Yeah, I think mean, that's the general Well, they can't really go down, can yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> because you get Brianna Davey back and if she gets her a full season fit, she means a lot to them. Vessio got confidence back. That's the most important. Yeah. She came back from her holiday in New York, dominated in the nine goals. I think that she's given her a big shot in the arm of, okay, I'm back, mm. I'm back. And now with a new coach as well, probably feeling very excited. They've lost a handful of players due to expansion signings and some that they've delisted. So they've got some holes still to fill. My big worry is, and she probably feels like I've got her face on a dartboard somewhere, but Taylor <laughs> Harris is my big concern because uh, she was last in disposal efficiency at the club and um, her goal-kicking has been a bit wayward. And she's um, a lot of focus on yeah, boxing lately, exa- it seems. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm not knocking her. If you want to take up boxing yeah, and course. excel there, fantastic. Go for your life and you want to sign your Nike contract dollars, go ahead. Make yourself as much money as you can. My, my worry is that because she's dedicated so much time to it, it's not a case of slipping backwards. It's a case of everyone else is improving dramatically during that time mm. and they're catching up. And we talked about earlier about all the defenders that you can choose from. So there's more heat, more taggers, more defenders coming into the competition. My worry is during that time, because Taylor isn't playing, is her skills are not keeping up. And because we've got such a short season, you can't afford three or four games to find your form like a few of the Collingwood footballers have in the past. You've got to be on from the word go Two or three losses to Carlton early and bang, that's it. You're done. Thank, and, thanks for coming. And I, I, I just get that feeling. Even if Taylor was to find her straps, she's not going to find it in game one. And I think the interesting thing, the big thing for Carlton is they've got to get, I think, a bit more outside speed because you look at their inside. Yeah. I think that's about the best inside brigade you could have. The Hosking sisters, you've got Amelia Barden coming in. Shay Audley. Yep, yep. You've got them. You know, Terrier. You, <laughs> yeah, Shay Audley exactly. You've got all them um, coming in. And then potentially you pick up a Hanks or a Presparkers, who, yes, they could play a little outside, but they love getting in and attacking and winning it on the inside as well. Um, you know, they've just got that huge inside uh, presence. I think someone like a Nicola Stevens um, is so important because she adds that bit of class to the outside, mm. the really good kicker. She's got to have, I reckon, if she stands up, that's their best chance of doing as well as they can, those kind of players. Um, and they've just got to get it into Darcy up uh, full forward because... If you think about Darcy Vessio and, and Taylor Harris, if they're at their best, mm. that's a really dangerous one-two combo. And mm. you know, and, and then you've just got to find a few little players around them that can swoop in, kick a few goals. We know Georgia G's got some talent and that kind of thing. And obviously, Bree Davies, we mentioned, coming back like um, through the midfield or, or wherever they want to play her. And, and you know, they've got so much talent down there. It's it's just getting it down there. They've got great inside. Uh, it's more, I guess, the outside class and talent. And that's probably where Press Parkers mm. comes in, that link between the midfield and the forward mm. line of getting it in there with certainty and quickness. But Collingwood Football Club, oh. do they win the wooden spoon, yeah. yay or nay? 
I hate to say it, but yes, <laughs> I've uh, I've got them pegged as the wooden spoon. Like I had them as maybe they might get second bottom um, because they had Chloe Malloy, and then she went. No, oh, well, that's pretty much it. I look anything other than the wooden spoon. I think is a positive for Collingwood, and it's tough looking this far out. They are the benefit. They're going to pick up a heap of youngsters. They've got a lot of young picks, um, and and they are more advanced. Each year we go down, we feel that the youth coming through is better than the previous year's youth. But they don't all step in straight away and have a huge impact. A few of them will. And obviously picking up a Hanks or Prisparkas will straight away. Um, and then there's, you know, your Hannah McLarens, your Daisy Batemans, if they pick them up, that'll be fantastic for them. They'll be able to play a role. And they probably will because everyone else will be injured anyway. But they just don't have the forward line at the moment. They've got, you know, their back line's okay. They'll be able to hold that together. They've got a few okay midfielders coming through. Um, that was an area that they really needed to get a bit better at um, because they had a lot of inside midfielders without a lot of outside um, class. Obviously, Steph Chiocci got suspended at the end of the season, which didn't help, but they can bring in um, a few more in there and add forwards. Just you got to get forwards, whatever you do, and, and hopefully they can kick a winning score. Yeah, it does look at the moment that Collingwood might um, get claim the wooden spoon this year. Obviously, the loss of Chloe Malloy is a big one, and the, and the lack of forwards is something that contributes to that as well. But um, I think they've they've got some young talent though that that is looking promising. You know, you got like Darcy Gartridge, um, Eilish Ross, Holly Whitford's a really good tackler as well. So there's definitely some young talent in the side that could perhaps prove us wrong. But I think just the lack of depth at the moment just puts them. Um, below the pack at the moment. Yeah, for me, wooden spurs maybe Fremantle might challenge them yeah, down that's at what that, I'm that, that, too, that end yeah. of the deck, but certainly the lowest of the Victorian clubs. I know I almost got into an online argument with Matt James, their former list manager <laughs> over it, but I pointed out this before even Malloy went down. I said, you've lost over the last 12 or so months 13 of your guaranteed starters, yeah. including the likes of Eva and Nicola Stevens that went at the end of 2017. Then you lost your marquees in King and Hope and Garner and Duffin, and then you throw in there Barton and Bernardi. You're retiring of Tessariero and Hutchins and Bree White retiring Edwards, as well. Yeah. Oh, and Edwards, I named something like 13 starters. That's more than half your starting side gone, and now your number one player in Chloe Malloy is out for the season. I know they might say youth policy and whatever, and I, I don't knock them for going for the youngsters, but you cannot lose that amount and say that we're going to be fine. No, bollocks. Yeah. Bollocks. <laughs> any side at any sporting level, you lose half your side, unless they're being automatically replaced with equal talent, you're not going up, you're going down. And unfortunately for Wayne Sickman, he's a nice guy. Like yeah, every time he's, I chat he's to him, hardworking as well. He's always oh, yeah. at games yeah. looking for players too. So e Enjoy chatting with him. But the reality is if they finish last or even second last with Frio below them, the Collingwood people are going to be asking the question, hang on, we got a VFLW side that finished minor premiers and albeit not knocked out of the finals under Penny and went well. Your, your side has gone backwards. It may. Yeah. It, I, I don't want to say. It's not nice to say sayonara to coaches or whatever, but the, at least the question is going to be asked in the media as like, mm. you've gone backwards now. Any coach that wins a wooden spoon, you're always in the hot seat. I, I would rather actually comes out and goes, we're actually going full rebuild kind of and, thing. And if he does, yeah. he's then got to try and get on the front foot yeah. and say, we realize we're going to be at the back end. These are our KPIs. We're gonna, we've got to tick this, this, mm. this, and this. And if I do not tick this, this, and this, then you have the right to question. Yeah, and that's the thing. I would say, look, we're going to just go to the draft, pick up 
all these young kids, yes, they're not going to have a huge impact this season. We might lose the first few games. Um, you know, I know I wouldn't say that, but if they lose, you know, they might be a rough season. We're just going to look. It's not on the scoreboard. It's how they improve throughout the season. So I think for Collingwood, it's the impact. They might not beat your Brisbane's or your Bulldogs or anyone like that, but if they can get within a few goals or, or at least compete for three quarters and then they get beaten by a few goals at the end, then, you know, you can, you can live with that because you know that their youth, they're coming through. The biggest thing with this kind of rebuild is you've got to sell hope and you've got to show that hope on the field. The worst. I was going to say already because they have sold hope in a way, haven't yeah, they? they? The worst yeah. thing that, that could happen for Collingwood, and ironically it'd be PR for the AFLW, the worst thing that could happen to Collingwood is if they finished at the bottom end of the table and were getting smashed, if Jeff Kennett all of a sudden popped his head up to say, my Hawthorne VFLW yeah. side would beat your team, we should have a license like you, if Jeff Kennett just came along and stirred the pot, which yeah. he randomly does, oh my God. Yeah, yeah they certainly yeah. had a point to be with the Hawks, so he'd definitely be around um, saying that yeah, kind of thing. Eddie and Jeff going head-to-head on Triple M arguing should over that. Right, yeah. My goodness, just a matter of that a went mild down. mild conversation, yeah. nothing wrong with that. Uh, well, <laughs> Let's talk about two, I guess, of the better Victorian sides, the established sides. Let's begin, first of all, with the Melbourne Demons. Finished third twice. Yay or nay, can they finally make the grand final? It's- I don't think they're going to make the grand final for me. I just think, I don't know, they're just lacking that something. I can't, I can't put my finger on it, but just something's lacking. I think it might be the cohesion of the team for me. That kind of lacks for I'll, me. I'll, I'll whisper it to you. Might be Daisy Pierce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Might be but you know what? Yeah, I know. It just it obviously. Yeah. I, I think the loss of her is obviously obviously going to um, hurt them. But I think even with her in the team, they just they didn't show um, too much for me. I just think you know that obviously when the um, AFLW first started, it was obviously going to be oh Melbourne are easily going to be the premiers, but. They just haven't got to that level yet, have they? I, I wonder because Melbourne, for me, I, I think they will go down. Not much. I think they're going to be around yeah. that middle of the table. But I think that they brought in a lot of experienced names and a lot of, I guess, older players, like wise heads. So it was always going to be enough to get them up around that mark. Um it was whether they had that, I guess, young... Because you look through their list and they've got, like, Eden Zanker's a beauty. Claudia Whitford's shown some good signs. Lily Mithen's obviously a gun. Um, and, you know, Alicia Newman's even shown some really good signs and that kind of thing. But if you look over the whole scheme of things, they've got some really experienced sort of older players that have been around the tracks for a while. And we've seen them sort of have that, you would expect a consistent effort, but they've been up and down a little bit. And I have a yeah, feeling that I wonder if some teams maybe at times run them off their legs a little or um, perhaps just because of the new footballer age where some of them can play a lot of different roles, um, whether or not their midfield at times was a little too stacked um, you know, they didn't quite have the, I guess, experience like in terms of forward. Uh, they would share their goals around. They'd rely on the types that would run forward and try and get the ball and, and kick them. Like they don't have sort of like that Taylor Harris type or, or you know, so a big big forward. Like they, they did throw uh, a few of their experienced types down there, but it's just that little bit lacking, I think, in terms of um, a complete side. When I look at them, and particularly the players that they lost, first of all, they lost Aaron Hall, which I thought, okay, no biggie, you've got Lauren Pierce there, so yeah. you're okay. They lost Cranston, you're thinking, okay, there's maybe a Mifsit or someone around, you can pick up another forward as well, that's fine. Um, then they also lost, I think it was Anateague as well from Melbourne to yeah. Geelong, and I thought, okay, it's defender, that's fine, you can pick up a defender. Then they lost Mel Hickey, and I thought, okay, Mel's a leader, but they had a stat midfield anyway, you could probably shave one and find a youngster coming through. 
But then when you add the sprinkling of there went Daisy, the, mm. it was just kind of the one that just tipped it over yeah. the edge where you go, okay, I don't think you're going to be terrible. I think you still be top four quality. But that's the one that tips mm. them from can you make the top uh, two or not. Mm. And just it was, it was just that last one that hurt. It was the last domino. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's that's something up pretty yeah. well there, I reckon. Yeah, the last domino. They will be there. They will. It'll be interesting who they recruit and see if they might be able to make a, an outside shot at it. So they, as we said, when Melbourne had lost players, they weren't devastated, but it was just enough to with Daisy going to tip them off balance. You're listening to Women's Australian Rules Football Radio on RSN Carnival Digital Radio. This is the road to the AFLW draft as presented by afldraftcentral.com.au. The final Victorian side that we look at is the Premiers. They are the Western Bulldogs. Can they go back-to-back, yay or nay? Oh, they could, but I don't think they will because anyone who loses a league best and fairest is going to be yeah. worse for it, regardless of what you have. Like, I know they've got some great depth in there and I, I'm, I've i got them in for the finals again, but it's it's hard to see because they have lost her. Like, um, obviously, Emma Cooney's been fantastic for them. I think someone will step up in her place, but it, it does leave that bit of a gap that you can't really fill. You can get someone to slide in and play that role as well as her. Probably not, but... You know, I, I still think they'll play finals, but I don't think they'll be premiers. Yeah, I think they certainly have the capacity to be premiers again, but because of the of the competition being so open now, especially with North Melbourne and Geelong both coming in, it's going to be hard for them to um, to go back to back, and it obviously depends on who they draft. Obviously, with a few lower draft picks could hurt their chances in um, getting a good um, mix of under-18s in their side. But I think, yeah, like, like Pete said, I think I'm backing him for finals at this stage, and I'm super excited to see Izzy Huntington, Izzy Huntington come back this year because... We were robbed of seeing her talent. I mean, we saw it for, I reckon, about five minutes and then she went down. I mean, we were so excited to see what she'd be able to do and I hope she gets a better run in it this year because she will be absolutely influential for them this year. I go a nay for back-to-back, but a yay for making the grand final. I think mm. a, a reverse situation. I think the Lions get them this time. Yeah, But the be. reason why I don't think they drop, as much as they lost Emma Carney and, and Jenna Brutton and Astro O'Connor, Astro probably wasn't a too big a loss. Jenna Broughton, you feel like there's a young forward around that they can be able to pick up, whether it be a Daisy Bateman, for example, someone that might be weaving around, or a Valerie Moreau if they're going to look for a, like a tagging-type player. But the, the big thing for me is is they could get maybe an Eleanor Brown to go in the midfield if she slips down the draft order. They can throw her in there. And then it's almost like new draft recruits. You're getting back Izzy Huntington, who played a game at a bit, yeah. and you're getting back Katie Brennan, who will be at full fitness. Two... You know, in, if they were both 18-year-olds, you'd be saying both number one draft picks. Mm. You know, yeah. it, it, the, that's the quality of play that you're getting back in. But they're better than that. They're experienced players of that quality. A captain who can... And the good thing is if Izzy plays, Izzy will play in the forward line because that's where she plays best. They can go, right, Izzy, you're going to play deep forward line. You can play this in half forward role. And even with the loss of Carney and one or two other players, or Asta, doesn't matter. You can go, Katie... We're not going to play your centre-half forward now. We're going to swing you down as the swing woman. You're going to go centre-half back or you're going to go wing. You're just essentially going to roam around the field and rack up touches because she's got the she's got the tank. She's got yeah, the endurance, sure. the athleticism. So you've got a tall forward who can move quick. You've got an, an athletic woman who can roam around the midfield. 
That's a dangerous combination that's coming back into the side. No offence to Emma Carney, but the Bulldog supporters might be cheekily going, Emma who? <laughs> they, they, they might be saying that tongue-in-cheek because, again, with Carney gone, at Ali Blackburn steps up. Could be a couple of boos up. for the, for the yeah. first time we've seen, uh, yeah. Ali Blackburn steps up in the midfield, yeah. and as we said, you know, they've got the Deanna Berries in there, the Brooke Lachlans as well, how Conti. we can forget. We've got the Monique mm. Contis, the Lawrence Sparks down back. You've got Tiana Ernst, Libby, Libby who Birch dom- well. dominates in the ruck. Libby Birch, Hannah Scott down in the back line as well. Endless you, names. You start rattling off these names and you go, yeah, they lost three, but Melbourne lost four. Collingwood got gut- gutted. Carlton's mm. a wreck. North Melbourne, you don't know if they're going to click. Geelong's got a little bit inconsistent. And you go, the Bulldogs look in pretty tip-top mm. shape after all of that. Yeah, I think that's what we put it down to. Mm. Just their, their, list, their, their core list is, is really strong. And I think they've been able to, under, under the coaching of Paul Groves, has been fantastic for them of... Um, they've really helped those girls just develop into really professional players. And they could add some speed because at the time that we record this, we don't know the outcome of the cross-coders camp where they were looking to get yeah. some rookie players, including the Bulldogs, who were trying to talk up the possibility of a guaranteed rookie contract. They, out of that, saw some really speedy Gaelic footballers, one of them, Yvonne Bonner, who looks like she could play a tall forward role as well. She go, oh, my God, God, another forward yeah. who can run for days. You, you look at that and you're thinking... It's going to probably be a garlic football that ends up with the Bulldogs. It's going to add even more speed to them. And I know I'm probably doing them a disservice by not saying they can go back to back. Just I think the pure hunger of the Lions will finally yeah. see them break through. But, my God, the Bulldogs look, look like they're there again. Mm. And, and to Paul Graves' credit, this is the thing we underestimate, he kind of acknowledged in 2017, okay, the coaching that I tried to apply then, the tactics didn't work. So I'm going to change it. I'm going to simplify it for 2018. And the word that I got off the street, particularly from the players, was he just simplified things, he changed things around, he worked on skills emphasis early in the preseason, just worked on skills, 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 kept the game plan simple. Voila. Must have, been, must have been all the ones that helped him draft players into the team because I did some uh, <laughs> scouting for him the year before, so I'll take that 1% little... <laughs> Uh, 1% little credit for that. So, <laughs> But no, he's a fantastic coach and um, he, he knew what he had to do wrong. And a lot of the coaches said that. They knew that year one they came in thinking, let's play attractive football. Let's play this high possession, fast running football. When at local levels or, or, or in the state league, the, the a lot of the women's hadn't played that kind of football before. So they're trying to put them into formations or play them a game plan that they're not quite used to. And then they've just now been able to simplify it and that's uh, that's got the job done. So that's what we think of how the teams will finish the Victorian teams and who they will draft come the AFLW draft on October 23. From afldraftcentral.com.au thank you again to both Peter Williams and Julia Montesano. Thanks Not for having problem. us. I'm Peter Holden. Thank you very much for your company. Don't forget our midweek show on RSN Carnival Digital Radio the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au 6pm Wednesday evenings, Australian Eastern Standard Time. Until next week, it's bye for now.